of us, there burns the fury of a warrior. In every generation, a few are chosen to prove it. One of you three will decide the outcome of the tournament. Three strangers will travel to the mystical realm of Outworld to defend our people against Shang Tsung. You will and his forces of darkness. In an ancient tournament, one more victory. Your soul is mine. And our world no! is theirs. It has begun. Welcome to another episode of Quantum Recast. I'm your host, Corey. With me always is Nick. Hello. Tanner. What's up? And producer, Jesse. Hello. All right, so if you clicked on us, you know that we're going to do Mortal Kombat, Bill and Ted rules, which means all-time cast. But before we do that, if you're not following us on social media, you should totally do that. We are pretty active over there on the Instagram and Twitter machines. Um, at quantum it's a fun old time. Where it is we have fun we keep relevant um we you know we we do fun things over there um because like like most of you know these 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 episodes come out week two weeks later than uh, uh after we record them so typically we're more relevant and fun over on the social media with uh things that are happening so follow us on social media instagram and twitter but before we go any further, before we dive into Mortal Kombat and um, an all-time kung fu cast, as uh, as Nick has decided to have us do, we yes. have got to talk about what we've watched this week. So, mm-hmm. Nick, I'm starting with you. What have you watched this week? I mean, other than what I've been watching to prepare for this, the only major thing which I think you and I oh. watched... Uh, was I did watch the four-hour version of Justice League, the Snyder Cut, as it is called by the inter- internet nerds. Um, and my thoughts on it, which I've saved for the podcast, mm-hmm. I watched it with friends. We had plans to have drinks and stuff during it, just to kind of have a good time, assuming, set our our bars very low. And I didn't hate it. Granted, it has its typical Snyderisms, the slow motion, the unnecessary lengthy and there's there were some scenes that were too long for their own good. But it generally, was 4 hours. Some scenes were too long. There were there were some scenes that, but th- this is where I'm getting my point. It needed that time because they didn't make solo movies for all these people. Uh mainly it was for Cyborg because like he just got chopped up in the in the cutting room. So you get way more of him and his understanding, and it really helps it all make more sense and his connection to to the MacGuffin of the movie. And then uh, the villain, his motivation is made more clear. It's not just, I'm big bad villain coming to destroy Earth. It's, 
I'm doing this to get favor with the actual big bad of the series. Granted, is that a way you should be doing a movie? No. You should have been building it up this whole time. But as as they presented it as chapters, it it it, it was basically a miniseries. And that's the way we kind yeah. of viewed it was we were just binging this miniseries. And I, I didn't hate it, but and it was it, we had fun with it and we enjoyed it. But all this sudden demand for the sequels and stuff, Warner Brothers has already shown like, yeah, we're not we're not doing that. We're gonna do our own thing, even though you kind of hate us. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did you feel about it, Corey? I'm about to fire Nick from this podcast. <laughs> God. God. That. Okay, Go on. I, I have strong feelings about Zack Snyder and this, this vanity project that essentially is, is all it is. Um, yes. Because I like, listen, I, just removing the fact that some horrific tragedy happened to this man and, and his original movie didn't get made. It's like, that's that sucks it happens though you know and so they bring in this guy josh whedon who is now like the sacrificial lamb for all dc nerds and like and i don't know why other than you just use common sense to go well yeah director got brought into a movie that he had no say in the pre-production this isn't his vision he's essentially handed a shot Mm -hmm. list and said make this movie and he goes okay you know it's not like he just said, I'm going to make a bad movie. This will be fun. And so, but I'm sorry. There should never, a four hour movie should never exist. Like maybe in the golden age of cinema, we have our Lawrence of Arabia's and stuff, but like in modern times, like it just shouldn't mm-hmm. exist. That's a mini series. And that's what HBO Max should have done. If they wanted to put this out, say, okay, we'll make a whatever four part, six part mini series uh, of this. But like, yeah. You know, it's it's it's. I've never been so pissed off by music in a movie. Um, <laughs> every time music starts playing, I'm just like, "What the heck?" And then I, I looked it up today. Ten percent of the movie is in slow motion. Ten percent of a four hour movie is in slow wow. motion. And so that's just because, gosh. But I don't know. I mean, I, I will say this. I think Cyborg, that character, benefits the most mm-hmm. from the movie. Um, it sucks that apparently his his part was the one that was cut um, most from the original. Um, because I think that his story actually drives the movie. Um, it does. And, He's definitely the heart of the movie, I would say. And so, I, you know, because like I, I disagree to, a, to an extent that they all needed solo films because... People know who Superman is. People know who Batman is. No people, but Cyborg needed this. It made no sense for them to cut his the most because he's the one character that we may not be familiar with. You know. Yeah, unless you grew up, unless you grew up watching Teen Titans in like the, in the two thousands and two thousand tens, like you mm-hmm. don't really have an attachment to that because that's when they started bringing him more to prominence. And I mean, yeah. I think a lot of my, I will admit that I think a lot of my like vitriol for the movie is just that I do think HBO just opened up a Pandora's box that they didn't understand because now you already have hashtag restore the Snyderverse and everybody making memes out of the movie and like they've just created this very toxic fandom that, 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 I mean, the one group of fandoms that you don't do is nerdy ones. You do not give in to their demands, you know, and now they're going to bash they everything just you never, do from here on out. 
But yeah, I think that this was a really bad precedent by HBO to give into it. I think it's cool that a director got to make his movie. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just now you have all these people saying they're mad because HBO and Warner Brothers has come out and said, uh, we're this is it. That was the end of that trilogy. All DC stuff moving forward yeah. is something is something new and, and separate. Well, what have you watched, Tanner? <laughs> yeah, Tanner, tell us something <laughs> non superhero related that you watched. Um, I watched Nomad Land this week. Um, which I was not a fan of. Okay. Um It was interesting. I was excited to see like a van life style movie um i think because i mean obviously for those of you who don't know uh listening to the podcast i lived in a van for two years i was doing like van life um for a while um and so i was excited to see like a portrayal of that on screen Hmm. i don't know it was this weird thing while i was watching it it was like you are you are looking at and like soloing focusing in on a very 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 specific like sect of like van lifers where it's like yes these people exist but like you are painting it as this really dark gritty dirty thing and so i was looking at it going like well yeah like that's that is that is a truth there is like truth in that to a degree with people but like watching it i was like okay well you're just painting a really grimy picture of like what that facilitates i think from that i don't think van lifers are really going to like benefit from that lens i think a lot of times like anyway people who are living you know in cars or vans or whatever already have this like projected sense of like like oh you're in a bad place oh you're like you need help to like pick yourself back up you need like you know all of these like common tropes about people who are car living or houseless like mobile living whatever and i think like it's painting this picture where like more people are going to see it as like a bad thing versus a thing that people enjoy doing it needs the counter it needs the counter programming instead of like this is a bad thing of like an endless summer style like documentary showing like hey this is this is just life for us. And we actually, this isn't, we're not, it's not that we're poor or that we can't afford a house. It's like, we've just chosen to live this type of lifestyle. Right. Okay. And like, like I said, there are two sides of that coin, right? Like both of those do exist, but like this style of cinematography and movie making that I just don't really appreciate where it's like, we want to be this indie style film that like is trying to look and feel so real to life like daily life i don't know it's like as as if you gave your like cousin or your friend who had taken like one film class yeah and like knows how to work a camera but not how to like really make like a hollywood film you know what i mean like yeah and so i was just confused the whole time and like wasn't really a big fan of like this picture they were painting it as it was fine, but the people that I thought did really well in the film were like real people. Cause like Bob, uh, Bob Wells, like, oh, that guy's real. Like, I know of him. I watch his YouTube videos. Like, I know who this guy is. Everyone else other than Francis McDormand is themselves. So it's kind of Easy Rider, but not. 
Yeah, like it was it was strange. Like I I just don't understand why like the academy is so hard like for these films where they're like, "Oh yeah, it looks like someone who doesn't know how to shoot a film shot this film and that makes it really indie." And I'm like, "Okay, or a bad movie." Well, the academy like, doesn't know what it wants half the time anyway, so yeah. It was interesting to watch, but I wouldn't tell people to go watch it unless they were like you know, unless you want to see everything that's being nominated. Fair enough. Okay. What about um, Jesse? So the one that I would like to talk about um, is Space Sweepers. It's on Netflix. Uh, I am not even going to try to pronounce the original name for it. Um, it is a South Korean space western. It's go on. Fucking Sold. great. It's yeah, it's so good. It was released this year. Uh, it's about this group of four people that kind of come together in a bunch of different walks of life. One being a, a military robot. One's like a ex-gang leader. One is an ex-private military person who like was an assassinating leaders. And one is like was also part of like a military who was excommunicated from the military. And they all like are on hard times trying to collect money by going through space, collecting trash. Earth is uninhabitable and Mars is being terraformed. And the way they make money is going around to all of the space trash that has been out in orbit of Earth. And they're battling, you know, basically other people out in orbit who are also trying to gather space trash for money. And anyway, this group of four find a young girl on one of the ships that they collect floating trash ships that they collect um and this girl is wanted by the uts corporation as well as she's like i think she's like six or seven super young girl um she's wanted by the uts corporation as well as an eco-terrorist group and so like they have to like figure out why and like kind of go around that it's it's really fucking good um cool yeah i would highly recommend it obviously it's on netflix i think it came out early february but super super good highly recommend it all right all right moving on if this is your first time listening to quantum recast what we do here is normally we would take a movie uh and uh we would take it out of its release year planet in a new year and recast it with actors relevant to that year but every once in a while we do a little thing called bill and ted rules if you've never seen bill and ted first of all you should probably start listening to this podcast because you hate shame um but if the plot of the first movie is uh they essentially need to make uh a grade on a history project they're given a time machine and uh they essentially go through time and pick up a bunch of historical figures to do an oral history report for them so sometimes that's what we do on this podcast we pick a movie and we say let's make the all-time best possible cast not any year no rules if we had to make a movie and we can cast it with anyone anytime living dead let's do it nick you have chosen what i'm gonna do it again so just just be, protect your ears but uh Nineteen ninety-five. Got it. Nice. Um, Solid. So, 
So what we're doing is we're taking Mortal Kombat 1995 in this case, and we are going to give it an all-time cast, but with the caveat that Nick has given us of they must be kung fu-centric actors, correct? We are looking at pretty much just a history of martial arts movies. Kung fu is a broad term, but pretty much anything that is somewhat of a martial arts action star alluding to it in the realm. We'll, We'll say that. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. Nick, I got to ask, why? Because why not, Corey? Okay. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I just, I've had an itch to kind of start watching some of these movies recently. It just, you know, pandemic, you're stuck at home half the time anyway. So I was just like, all right, I'll give this a shot. And we also have the new Mortal Kombat movie that's coming out. And so I think it'll just be a fun retrospective uh, to see how it was then and hopefully. Hopefully it'll be good because my thing about the first movie is it needed some strong martial arts in it. And if you're going to make a a movie about a fighting game, you need to have good fighting in the game, in the movie. So, so. yeah. So I explained my reasons, but why not, Corey? Let's have some fun. All right. Well, Nick, tell me what uh, Mortal Kombat 1995 is all about. Mortal Kombat 1995. That's not the full title of the movie. That's just the year it came out. Is based off of a fighting game with some uh, influences from Kung Fu and films and Chinese mythology. And it was took off, was a huge hit, uh, mainly a lot due to its over-the-top violence and humor and stuff, because the 90s, you got to be edgy. And so they said, hey, let's make a movie about this. So the movie is basically about um, our cast of fighters that are all coming together for this battle that takes place between two forces of good and evil. And it's a tournament that takes place and you have to win a specific amount of tournaments in a row and you gain control of the earth realm. So there's 10, multiple, 10 mul- tournaments, 10 tournaments. Thank you, Tanner. So the bad guys in this case have won nine in a row and they're about to win 10. If they win 10, then they get to control earth and all the realms and basically chaos ensues. So our, head guru wise leader type Raiden has collected some of earth's mightiest heroes to Ra- come in Raiden Raiden yes did okay I say, did I say Raiden you did said Raiden you said Raiden Raiden like, like a Pokemon <clears throat> yes that's right Raiden has gathered heroes to fight the bad guys um yeah it was uh controversially violent I remember um so I had to go to my cousin's house to play it. We had a Super Nintendo. They had the Sega Genesis, and it was a Sega exclusive. Same. So. I I would go to my cousin's yeah. house or my friend's house, and I would even when I was there, I was worried that like their parents would walk in and then make some offhand comment to my parents about, "Oh, they're playing this bloody fighting game." You were playing what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, they were playing. I had no control. Please, please. <laughs> It was their game. I couldn't my, tell them what to play. I, I, they wanted to play it. It was them. They put the control they in my ma- hands. They, they gave me drugs and made me play it. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesse, have you ever seen we, Mortal Kombat 1995? Uh, I have. Yes. Nice. Oh, okay. Good. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Long time ago. Tell Very us about bad. that experience. We're going to start tallies about what Jesse has. And I, think I'm, I think I'm net positive at the moment. Um, Can we also get like a sound cue every time he's seen it, like a, and then like a, every time he's not seen it, 
Yeah. Hey, Jesse, can, can you that. put that in? Yeah, don't worry, guys. <laughs> I got that for I'll you. Run, I'll run the numbers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got that. Um, yeah, okay. I don't remember when, when I watched it, but it's been a long time. I remember, uh, I remember enjoying it, not because it was a good movie, um, but because I was like, yeah, that was fun. Uh, not because a we good were movie. 10 years old. And- yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. When I was rewatching it, I was like, woof, this movie. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, man, I'm I, surprised. I, I, t- to me, it's not even, it doesn't even have nostalgic charm. I'm just kind of like, like, I can still watch Street Fighter and it has like some sort of like nostalgic charm to it. It's also a bad movie, but this is just like, Mm-mm. This is gross. It's just cringy. This is all bad. Which brings me yeah, to useless critic stats. Tanner, have you got useless critic stats ready for us? Yeah, I do. They're right here on my piece of paper that's on the computer. So I'll read them off to you. Um, Mortal Kombat. Let's go first to Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives Mortal Kombat a 44%. Um, Ooh. Let's go to Metacritic, gave the film a 58 out of 100. Okay, not bad, not Uh, bad. Again, all low numbers on these reviews. Only 12 critics reviewed this film. (laughs) Like, there's not... (laughs) Well, apparently they they didn't release this film to critics before it was released in theaters. So there probably wasn't a lot of... They tried to pull a tombstone and it They did. They tried to pull a tombstone, yeah. Well, I would like you guys to know that... Until Detective Pikachu, this was the most critically acclaimed you cannot. video game movie. No, this is no, it you was. can't. Yep. Better than the Laura Croft yep. movies? Better than uh, Super Mario Brothers? Okay, Resident, hold that. Hold, uh, that hold on, hold on, hold on. Detective Ch- Pikachu, it only got 53, but it's higher. It's so. better. We're improving, guys. Decade by decade. We're getting That's better crazy. at this. Uh, Mortal Kombat with a 58 out of 100. The next highest was... I think that... Or, no, the next highest was Prince of Persia. Oh. Oh. Which is... Ooh. Yeah. So Hollywood... Problematic. Not great at the video game adaptations. Not no, at all. Hollywood, Hollywood is sitting in a corner like... I don't know why they hate me. I do movies. I don't do video games. I don't know anything about video games. Why? Do I, I don't get it. Um, okay, so after Metacritic, we will go to IMDb, giving this um, about the same as Metacritic with a five point eight. Yep, yep. That's 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 people so voting. Middle of the road. So. Yeah, yeah. Still middle of the road. Dead center. Um, so there's another one here that says uh, cinema score. Gave the film an average grade, which is insane to me that this is their grade. This is, is an, an audience poll, by the way. Yes, this is an audience poll. What? An audience poll on CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of A minus. Obviously going on the scale of That's... A plus to F. I think people are really riding that nostalgia train a little bit with that poll. There's probably there's probably people going... Oh yeah, I remember liking that. Yeah, it was fun. No, cinema scores are taken by polls from moviegoers directly after theatrical release. So this is an old score. This is not people so re- this is retrograding it. Riding the high. And this being is like, just a bunch of ten-year-olds like us. Absolutely, being yeah. handed a piece of paper and saying, "That was great. Freaking I loved us. it." Oh, bro, Juicy oh, so, so good. Zero. Yeah. So zero was so Scorpion cool. was there. It was great. Uh, 
So that makes more sense. Tanner, what did our, our good friend Roger Ebert say about it? Oh, our, our blessed friend uh, Roger Ebert um, said he was, quote, right in the middle, um, end quote, and noted that fans might be disappointed by the film's killings being much less brutal than, as we discussed, notoriously violent uh, video game. Ebert wants you to go full tilt or not at all. Right. So if you're going to make up, yeah, go so if crazy. You're make Mortal Kombat a movie. I want to be like, I want, I want like blood splattering. In I the want heads on rolling. Me. Yeah. Right. I want a 4D experience <laughs> where you spray it needs to blood be a from war the ceiling. Concert, like, yeah. Yeah. Like they should have given me a poncho and they should have shot fake blood at me. <laughs> they didn't go far enough. So yeah. that's Roger Ebert. Or do you right. want me to do you want me to throw the box office numbers at you while we're here in in yeah, 1995? Get, tell me what this yeah, tell me what this movie did in Okay. So it opened in August 18th, 1985. Was number 1 of the box office. It, it opened with 23 million. It was number 1 of the box office for 3 weeks and it beat out uh The Babysitters Club on its opening day. <laughs> nice. It enjoyed that nice 3 week stint at number 1 until it was knocked off. <clears throat> defeated by Tu Wong Fu and Dangerous Minds, so it dropped to number Hell three. Yeah. It also earned fifty-one million overseas for a worldwide total of one hundred and twenty-four million total. Uh, right now, the film sits as the seventh highest-grossing video game adaptation ever in the U.S., behind Sonic, Detective Pikachu, Tomb Raider, Angry Birds movie, Prince of Persia, and Pokemon the first movie. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yes, that list. Is the film's yeah, so rough. the film is ranked all time according to the numbers.com at 1163. This puts it behind hits of Groundhog Day, John Q, V for Vendetta, but also Turner and Hooch and Smurfs 2. And uh, just above JFK, Moonraker, The Big Short, Grumpy Old Men, Blade, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Kill Bill Volume 1. Should it be higher? Should it be lower? <laughs> lower. Lower. Oh, it should be much lower. It yeah. Yeah. Probably down in like the 3000s or something. Right. Man, Mortal Kombat's no, yeah. doing well for so, itself. It's, it's doing, it's, it, it overachieved, guys. It did, it did well for itself. It did. Crazy. So, okay. So, this is going to be a weird question. Um, okay. Do y'all have a favorite scene? <laughs> I'm trying uh, Corey, to think of one. Give us yours. <laughs> yeah. All I can say is that knew his name, Shang Tsung. Uh, yeah. Carry Huyuki uh, Tagawa. Okay, is, um, he carries Shang this movie on his shoulders. He does all I'm really well in that role. Yes, extremely. He's about well. the Ever- only actor in this whole movie that's casted well. So, yeah. so anytime I'm also he's on sad. screen, I'm I'm happy. I will say one of the things that worked for me for the most part was all of the practical effects to bring Goro to life. Like, there were moments where it was surprisingly yeah, was, well done. pretty cool. Yeah. Wait, what Goro is the forearm, effects? the forearm. No, I know who Goro is. I'm trying to remember pra- any but he, practical he's not a effects CGA Goro monster. ever had. Yeah, he's, he's not CGI. He's, he's It's a forearm nine-foot man. <laughs> I literally, watching this entire thing, was like, he's CGI the whole time. Am I wrong? It's he's not no, no, no. He's he's practical. No, the he's whole like movie, a, he's, pretty much. He's like a puppet. He's no. a man. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. Like a, he's like a. This is this is like, like a, a Ninja Turtle thing. Yeah, I thought this was like a claymation yeah. style CGI. No, no. Is he's, what? 
yeah. man is inside that suit and is c- controlling it, and someone else is probably controlling the other arms. Oh God! Yeah. And the face. He looks great. Yeah. Yeah. It it aged I mean, it looks well. Bad, yeah. but in a no, good way. No, it did yeah. not. It aged well <laughs> in the sense of I know this is from the '90s, and that looks good for the '90s. That's what I. Mean. I thought. It, I think okay. he still looks well. I thought Goro still was one of the stronger parts. Of the I agree. Movie. Because they wasn't the strong like, part. Reptile looks like garbage. Yeah, so. that's. I was gonna say the worst part of that movie in terms of uh, in terms of technology is reptile. Yeah. It just looks like a video game character out of the PlayStation One era. So, yeah, someone needs to like somehow deep fake the Geico Gecko <laughs> into all the reptile scenes. So, in terms of favorite scenes, I just yeah okay, I, I can get down with Goro. I like Shang Song. Honestly, the guy that played Johnny Cage, even though I couldn't name another movie that guy ever was in, he did pretty mm-hmm. well for Johnny Cage. I disagree. <laughs> I oh, think okay, he was fan. about as interesting. He was bland. Bland as bland could get. Like, he's supposed to be this hot shot movie actor, and mm-hmm. he just comes off as, like, the white guy down the street that you just got pulled into this wild adventure. Like, oh, yeah, I can. And, and like, somehow defeats a four-armed nine-foot man. They're making Mortal Kombat, like you said at the top of the episode, and like it comes out in a couple of weeks, like a new one, right? Yes. And Johnny Cage isn't in it. Right. And like fans nice. are kind of upset because Johnny Cage is a, a fan favorite. My theory is they couldn't get Tom Cruise in, and so they said scrap the character. Because I'm fairly certain <laughs> Johnny Cage is just based off Tom Cruise. Johnny Cage is actually based off of, and here's the fun, here's more trivia parts, is he's based mm-hmm. off Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, yeah. The original intent of the video game. So it's just an American Jean-Claude Van Damme, I guess. Yeah. The original intent of the video game was they wanted to make a universal soldier video game. And that that the rights to the game fell through, but they still had the idea of like, let's do this motion capture thing where we're actually using footage of of actual people for the fighters and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of cool. I didn't know that. And and Jean-Claude Van Damme turned down the role again that's fair. That's <laughs> for fair. this movie for street fighter 2 or for free for street fighter excuse me fair enough i like it we'll do street fighter on this podcast one day i'm sure that'll be oh fun. i'm sure it'll be very soon <laughs> uh, oh oh okay. so <laughs> i really don't have questions about this film in terms of my normal snarky thing because it would be the entire film like right, no yeah. character right, right, in right. the movie makes rational decisions or anything like that. So I more have just like, is this, is this the strongest video game adaptation of the nineties of the nineties? And I'll, I'll give you a list. There were only six that came out in the nineties, starting with okay. super, super Mario brothers. Got Hollywood it. starting off on a real pile of crap there. Yeah. Then double dragon real left foot was a movie. Street right. fighter, mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat yep. 2. And Annihilation. Then and, then, yep. and then what? Yeah. And those Wing Commander? Wing Commander. Yeah, which is like just one of those little airplane like arcade games, but they turned it into an actual narrative film with Freddie. Got it. <laughs> okay. 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 I've seen maybe three of those movies. Between Mortal Kombat and Super Mario, with the, which I'm most familiar with, at least as terrible as they both are, Super Mario is terrible. At least at Mortal least, Kombat like, looks like the video game. <laughs> right. Mortal Kombat looks yeah. like the video game. Mario just, they just, there were two direct hack directors that were just like, we're going to make this edgy and weird and stuff without 
probably ever playing the video game more than once. Yeah. I would say this is at least um, consistent to a degree with the video game. Yeah. Wing Commander and Annihilation are both garbage. I will I will go ahead yeah. and just say both of those are out of the running. Um Double Dragon hits me in some real nostalgia places. Um because okay. I like that movie, Double Dragon. Um Super Mario Brothers is just so weird. I don't know. Oh, I double- think Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat are pretty equal. Okay. Yeah, for sure. For me, in terms of nineties video game movies. Yeah, I feel um, like I think I feel like at that point it's just both, dependent on like which game you like better. I feel like right. I, I feel see. like they're pretty even. So the thing that, that impresses me most about the first Mortal Kombat movie, which is the the biggest failing of the sequel, is that they actually didn't try to cram in every single character. I mean, they definitely crowbar a couple in, like Reptile. But honestly, I like Reptile's kind of cameo in the movie because he was a cameo mm-hmm. in the first game. The only characters that carry over, I believe, from the sec- second ga- game is Katana. Like, other than that, everyone yeah. else is from the original game. Yeah. But, and so I would say that was the biggest failing of Street Fighter, that movie, because they tried as hard as they could to get every Street Fighter character in the movie. And then, uh, but Raul Julia is my favorite person in both movies. So I, I, I don't know. They're both good. But yeah. yeah. I think it's so. I I don't see how it's hard to like fail at these movies because it's it's a fighting movie. You just follow the basic standards of tournament happens, but you stick with the main characters and just let them fight through the tournament, and you add drama within that, just like you know Bloodsport or something. Okay, you fall you you've landed directly on my next question. Perfect. Should the movie have just been Bloodsport? Should yes. the movie? I mean, the movie was already Enter the Dragon, so like it just it needed to be more blood sport. It needed to be just a lot of fights just, and a lot of violence and a little fun here and there. It seemed like it just needed to rely on just fight scenes and in mm-hmm. like tournament, Absolutely. more of the tournament rather than kind of this off the beaten path detective story that it kind of turns into. Right, and, and I think that's the thing is like if if they had said we're going to make this a martial arts movie and we're going to really hone in on these fights. Because that's what people come for is the fights. And maybe we just really hone in on that and the special effects in terms of violence and blood and guts and stuff. Then you have like an amazing film. But instead, they're like, well, we want hot chick of the 90s. We want actors. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, we want Christian Slater, not Christian Slater, Christian uh, Lambert in this movie playing Christian Slater's in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's there. You just have to look really hard. But uh Raiden, but, uh, Christian Lambert is, or Christopher Lambert as Raiden. Yeah. Yes, and that's a weird. That's a weird casting choice because in the in the oh, it's game, weird. I don't know if it's ever stated like this character is Chinese, this character is Japanese, kind of like Street Fighter does. But it's it's a you you kind of sit there and go, that's probably a Chinese mythological god. If I was to say right, so. and just just the fact that like Raiden is the like god of this like Shaolin temple like collective right Right. is it like you're like okay so we've crowbarred this like uh weird like white supremacist like ideology of like oh no the white man is gonna be your god if when you if your character shows up wearing the asian conical hat the character should probably asian you know, mm-hmm. like it's 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 it, yeah. And they and they went, you know, let's get the guy from Highlander. <laughs> so. The casting choices, original casting ideas for some of these characters is quite oh, yeah, interesting. I hear that. Hit me with the casting. Just while we're talking about Raiden, 
They wanted Sean Connery for Raiden. Again, from Highlander. From Highlander. So, so they, I guess they Man, were just they like, just were... <laughs> we didn't get the one we wanted, but we'll just, we'll take the second banana, I guess. But beyond that, let me pull up just some of these other casting choices here. Uh, Mariska Hargitay. Hargitay. Hargitay from Law and Order fame. Hardigay. Yeah, Hardigay. She auditioned for the role of Katana. Um, Talisa Soto, who ended up actually getting it, she said that while preparing for her role as Katana, she was quote unquote educated about it by her nieces and nephews, and she nice. went under we she underwent about five weeks of martial arts training in Tai from Chi her Chuan nieces and nephews, and yeah, yeah, from her nieces and nephews and Wing Chun <laughs> to get ready for it. The craziest casting, I think, or just the longest story, the longest road to get there. So Bridget Wilson, now Bridget Wilson Sampras. Mm had mm-hmm. read an audition for the part of Sonya Blade several times, but due to the long casting process, she chose to do Billy Madison instead. Um, if you, She's Veronica Vaughn oh, in yeah. that movie, the teacher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Veronica Vaughn. So hot. So while, that's, while she, she went off that way, but also Christina Applegate, Sharon Stone, and Dina Meyer also consider, were also considered for the role, but Cameron Diaz was cast after producers saw dailies of her from the mask in 94. But she <laughs> broke her wrist during training and just before filming. So fortunately, filming on Bailey Madison had wrapped and, and Bridget Wilson was available again. So she happily took the role, even if it meant she had to be flown to set the next day and had to train for the big fight scenes in between shooting the rest of the movie. So she was a trooper. She performed all her wow. own stunts, refused to use a double, including fight scenes. So... Sometimes that's a good idea. Sometimes it's a bad idea. I feel like she could have benefited from having a double just so the fights were good. Yeah. Um, she dislocated her. Yeah. Sh- she dislocated her shoulder during one scene, but they were able to fix it on set without any recurrence or any other issues. And director Paul Whatever. W. S. I bet Anderson, she just walked over to a palm tree and just banged her shoulder into it. Right. Bill <laughs> Gibson style. Director Paul W. S. Anderson nicknamed her Robo Babe after that. So nice. All right. Rounding out some of the casting stuff, originally the character of Kano was Japanese-American. However, the creators of the game, Ed Boon and John Tobias, were so impressed with how Trevor Goddard portrayed him that they retconned Kano's history in future games to make him Australian, which they thought was Goddard's nationality, but he's actually British. <laughs> he just did like a... He just did an Australian accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, he actually claimed so to be of Australian descent. He should have got an Oscar, yeah, for playing... A half-faced kind of cyborg character. Yeah, if you if you I guess do a good enough job for the directors to completely retcon a character in the your video, video game. game and just change everything about them, yeah, sure, why not? We we talked a little bit about uh, Christopher Lambert. You know, we, they wanted they wanted uh, Sean Connery, didn't get him. They also wanted Danny Glover for some reason, didn't get him. Yeah, it's like are you, of all the of all the awful. type character types, like you're telling me you can't go out there and find a wise, sage looking Asian actor to play like, this godlike being. Get Mr. Miyagi. Like, right. It's <laughs> yeah, all else fails. Just get Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. All the weirdness of Christopher Lambert being cast in that role. It turned out he was he was a pretty a, a pretty great trooper on set and stuff. You know, this being one of Paul W.S. Anderson's first movies. Christopher Lambert apparently was a very calming uh, presence on the set because he'd been in the big blockbusters and stuff previously. 
And so just late, his laid back attitude kind of had a positive effect on everybody. But since Lambert was the most expensive actor, the production could only afford him for like a few weeks for close-ups in an L.A. studio. And so they were going to have to use a stand-in for wide shots and stuff like that once they went to Thailand. However, Lambert believed the movie should have been would be better if he was there all the time. So he came to Thailand for ex- no extra charge. And he even paid for the rat party after the filming was done. Nice. What like, a guy. All, all around good guy. Classic. All Classic. around good guy. So Reptile, That's the, I think this is the last character I'll touch on real quick. But he was originally omitted from the script, but later added in as a response to focus groups being unimpressed with the early fight sequences. So let's just solve this with a CGI character that come, turns into a humanoid person later on. I'm sure that works, like, right? By the time Reptile jumps in, you're like, man, some of these fight scenes are... Uh, lackluster at best. Lacking. Lacking. Uh, the actor that played Reptile would get a bigger role in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Interesting. He he, he played Sub-Zero. Oh. Um, who, upgraded. Uh, upgraded. Well, in, like even well even well like even in the canon of Mortal Kombat, there's Sub Zero, and then there's Sub Zero's brother who becomes Sub Zero, right? Um, and he plays Sub Zero's brother who actually doesn't wear a mask and talks. Nice. So this actor actually got a big upgrade in the sequel. So he he did he he got that he got that sweet that sweet, that sweet spot sweet sweet bump. Unfortunately, it turned out to be Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and that's about the end of his career. <laughs> fun. So Corey, do we do we have anything um, else we want to cover? Do we want to finish out finish out nah, our drunk drawer tri- uh, trivia? Uh, it's it fit, fit, tell me some more trivia. Um, this is probably the the biggest red flag, but Paul W S Anderson had no experience filming fight scenes he shot the first fight sequence in wide continuous shots so after multiple so after multiple (laughs) takes the actors were completely exhausted so robin uh show he told anderson who plays Liu kang he told anderson he's like the secret is the wide shots are generally used for only a few seconds whereas the rest of the scene is filmed in a series of short close-up shots and so from that point they start filming it that way (laughs) So this guy was literally learning on the fly how to make a big movie like this. I love um, it. Beyond, yeah, beyond that, just some other fun little tidbits. Around six minutes, Steven Spielberg, an avid fan of the Mortal Kombat series, which that's a surprising thing. He was set to make a cameo during the scene uh, with Johnny Cage's film, but due to conflicts, he had to back out. And so the idea is that the director character in the scene does resemble Spielberg and it's most likely a reference to this that they were trying to get him in there but they found that showing a human death on screen would automatically mean an R rating but the death of a monster or creature would not and this explains why all the human deaths occur off screen but the deaths of creatures like Goro could be shown in full because they were constantly having to consult the ratings board to find out how much cursing there could be, how much blood, and so on and so forth, so they could have a PG-13 rating, because they wanted those 10-year-olds, you know. Well, I mean, Sub-Zero literally freezes a guy and makes him explode on screen, doesn't he? Yes. I guess that's, <laughs> tech- since he's faceless, I don't know. I guess I guess they're like, he's eh, wearing we don't a ma- know him. He's we wearing a mask. Fair enough. <clears throat> yeah, he's a faceless, faceless character. Nobody knows anything about him. It's like, that guy's like, he had a family. He, he had a whole backstory. <laughs> This man died. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about kung fu movies? Uh, I I need you to educate me on some kung fu movies. Is that what you? If that's what you mean, I can. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you and Tanner a real quick 
lesson in kung fu movies, martial arts movies, which is really just a quick history of Hong Kong cinema. Um, but, you know, kung fu itself, uh, most present day kung fu originates from martial arts like developed by Buddhist monks and Shaolin monasteries over the course of like the past 1500 years. Um, other martial arts have been practiced. Kung fu is kind of just like this umbrella that kind of captures a lot of different types. And some of those date back to like 3000 years ago. Um, Kung Fu is is different than karate. Karate and Kung Fu are different forms of Oriental martial arts. Karate was basically made in Japan, Kung Fu in China. So karate is primarily a striking art, punching, kicking, Nebo L strikes. Kung Fu is uh, more circular in style, the fluid movements, and it's forms that mimic the attacks of animals. So we got that out of the way. Hong Kong cinema, it's one of the three major threads in the history of Chinese language cinema alongside China and, and the cinema of Taiwan. Uh, for decades, Hong Kong was the third largest motion picture industry in the world after Indian cinema and American cinema. And it's Dang. the second largest exporter. Yeah, so it's been a big deal for a while. Uh, Hong Kong films, they pulled a lot of stuff from Hollywood, such as like the idea that we need a thrill-a-minute philosophy with fast pacing and film editing. But they borrowed that and kept in elements from traditional Chinese drama and art particularly like a pension for stylization and kind of disregarding like the Western standards of realism. So the crazy thing, and and you kind of notice it is that a lot of the films are low budget in comparison with U S movies because a major film release with a big star aimed at like a hit status was typically around only $5 million us dollars. A low budget could get well below a million us dollars in comparison. So even like okay. occasional blockbuster projects with like huge stars like Jackie Chan or Stephen Chow, uh, internet or even international co-productions, they would go as high as like twenty million, and those are like rare exceptions in that case. But H- Hong Kong productions, nevertheless, still achieve like that level, uh, greater than the numbers might suggest. But that's because of some of the things that they did to cut cost. They dubbed their stuff afterwards, and they would shoot the movie silent. So in this hectic, low-budget kind of industry, the method without using audio or recording on the audio at the time, it was just faster and more cost-efficient, and it helped facilitate dubbing into other languages for the vital export market. You know, busy stars wouldn't even record their own dialogue. Most would be dubbed by lesser-known performers. A lot of the movies went into production before they even had finished scripts. So scenes and dialogues were just kind of made up on the fly. It, it the actual dialogue it, it it helped because there were just so many different actors coming from all different parts of Asia, so it helped to create kind of like a one tone for everybody to understand, and led to the rise of kung fu movies through this. You know, one of the first big ones was this movie called Come Drink with Me. But the main thing about that that really honed in and helped develop kung fu movies was the expert choreography and the Mandarin language, Mandarin language uh, that those were the two elements that helped it kind of rise to prominence with Hong Kong, but it built the way for stars that we would come to see like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan. If you need two big names to know in terms of Hong Kong cinema, it's the Shaw brothers production company. And then you need to know golden harvest. So Shaw brothers, think of them as the WWF. They're the big company. They do the old school style things. We own you, you do what we say. And then a couple people broke away from there and said the the executives Raymond Chow and Leonard Ho they left and said we're doing our own thing we're going to call ourselves Golden Harvest 
Uh, they landed contracts with rising young performers who had fresh ideas. And so they got Bruce Lee. That was kind of the big thing. They were willing to you know, experiment and try new things and not just stick to the old ways. And so because of that, uh, Kung Fu and even Cantonese films came back in popularity in the 70s and stuff. And it created more space for independent producers and production companies. And this was kind of the end of the, uh, the studio juggernauts mindset of things. So from there, basically, Bruce Lee comes to form. Uh, he comes and goes. And then uh, you get to see the likes of Jackie Chan and stuff through the Golden Harvest system. And that's when we get the crossover to the United States and people are starting to tune into Kung Fu films and stuff. And you get people like Quentin Tarantino that are influenced by them and create films after that. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell of trying to give you like hopefully five minutes or less of Hong Kong cinema history lesson. I know you gave like some actors for each of those production companies, Mm -hmm. but do you have like a couple of recognizable movies? That like from each of those companies? So, like I said, uh, from Golden Harvest, obviously, Enter the Dragon, Fist of Fury, Game of Death, Big Boss, all those Bruce Lee movies, they're going to be made under that banner, as well as yeah. the Jackie Chan movies. So, like Police Story by Jackie Chan, um, The Drunken Master falls under there. Movies that kind of started this whole chain of events that led to the rise of Kung Fu films or martial arts films. You had a movie called the one-armed swordsman which was a big deal with jimmy wang this dude has one arm and he was a badass like Mm. one of the best scenes of that movie is him sitting at a table drinking tea and threatening to fight this gang that's surrounded him at this like bar basically and he still kicks their ass basically the whole time uh one of the more prominent ones and this i believe was under the shaw brothers was the 30 36th chamber of shaolin this is actually uh what inspired the rizza to form the wu-tang this mm. movie. Oh, that's and cool. So those are early on ones when we're getting away from the sword epics and stuff like that. Because there's a little bit of that in One Armed Swordsman, obviously. But uh, I think Chamber of Shaolin was the one where we started to kind of head in that direction as well. But yeah, so and and Shaw Brothers ended up making like over a thousand films, and they were just known for their production. They would just constantly be making films and stuff. And Got and that's it. and that's just me what I've gathered information wise over the past couple of weeks just trying to like have a fun little deep dive and I, and I have really enjoyed watching a lot of these films because you just get a, a, an idea of Chinese culture or just even Asian culture because there's other uh, groups that would eventually from other countries that would eventually go on to make these types of films and uh, you really see a lot of people just I think kind of have this general idea of kung fu films it's like okay yeah they're they're fighting but there's a lot of art that in filmmaking that you see with the good ones like um people talk about enter the dragon being bruce lee's best i personally thought fist of fury was the best film of his movies yeah like i think you're right i think people can you can say kung fu movie and people go okay that's a movie that has karate fighting in it but what it is is it's it, it belongs to a culture um, and, mm-hmm. and, and people don't like sometimes dive deep enough in that other countries' movies are part of their culture. Like French has their French New Wave cinema, and you know, and, right. and German has like it's impressionistic. It's it, it's ingrained in the culture, and so like you can dive into it, and it's not just oh, it's putting like Asian stereotypes on. It's karate, and that's that's a kung fu yeah. movie, and it's like no, it's it, once yeah. you start watching these, you get a 
a better understanding of like, well, this is just the cinema of that, of, of a culture, you know? Right. And, and some, somebody made a good point. Uh, They compared it to like spaghetti, spaghetti Westerns. It's like, that's Mm. not just the people, Italian films didn't just make Westerns. Like eventually you'd have spaghetti, this spaghetti, that. And so even Hong Kong cinema eventually did that, you know, in the eighties and stuff, they began producing other types of action movies, other types of drama and stuff like that. But it was just their bread and butter was this. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Are, are we ready? ready to, are we ready to cast an all time Kung Fu cast? I'm equally excited and terrified at what your choices are going to be guys. Yeah. So, because uh, just- Tanner and I are, are not as um, versed in Kung Fu. We had to um, really dive into this. I have a list of like, you know, the um, like, Kung Fu, like Hong Kong action, Indonesian action, like whatever you, wherever you want to go with it. Yeah. Like I have a couple of names that I like, but watching the movie and trying to cast it, I was like, okay, I have too many names (laughs) that don't fit. Yeah. And like, there are so many like incredible, like iconic actors within these spaces. Yes. That I just, physically can't find a place for and i feel constantly like i've made the wrong decision well, well I, 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 at the end of the day we're gonna have fun with it but we're also you know it's 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 a chance to kind of celebrate that whole industry a bit and that whole genre so even if they're brought up i think that's fun fun enough as it is like you know yeah i think we also just have to like Anyone that's watched Mortal Kombat 95, we've already touched on this a little bit. The the fight sequences are very underwhelming. Very yes, underwhelming. Yeah. And so, totally. you know, again, we're a theoretical podcast. We're, we, we like to right wrongs. So my assumption is in this movie we're about to create with an all-time Kung Fu cast, we're just assuming that the fight sequences are going to be about 15 minutes apiece. Like, Did you say like, 15 or 50? 15, whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying okay, we're going to okay, yeah, no, that's, that's good. <laughs> we're putting martial artists actual in the fight movie scenes. Now. Yeah. yeah. We're putting we're it in actually, the forefront. Yes. Yeah, we're yeah. actually casting kung fu martial artists cuz a lot that's another thing a part of like kung fu cinema is a lot of the actors are also trained in these martial arts. They didn't just go yes, to two weeks absolutely. of boot camp, you know, uh training for a film. They're like, "Oh no, I actually know this." And so, yeah, absolutely. So that that's how I approach the casting is like, okay, in this version, they're going to do more than throw one kick and, you know, and with a really mm-hmm. bad angle for the shot. No, we're, we're, we're this is yeah. going to be, this is going to be a, this is going to be a, just a classic. All right. So yeah. this is normally what I would tell you the rules, such as they have to be alive and be not incarcerated and they have to be um, whatever, but there are no rules for this other than they do still have to be an actor. Uh, they have to have at Screw least the rules. <laughs> a credit on IMDb somewhere. The they, they don't have to be alive. They don't have to be like not in jail. They're not going to lose any film credits, but they do have to be an, an actor at some point. So that's the only rule yes. that's oh. still in play. Director, Nick, you yeah. still technically get your overrides. Um, yes. you know, and so for that's the fair. audience listening, the director every week gets two power ups. Uh, for any one role, he can override me and Tanner, say we did a bad job, and Nick can put in his own actor anywhere. Um, and then yes. he can retroactively, after we're finished casting, switch to actors with different roles if he feels like they would be better suited for a different role. 
So, Nick, I'm handing it over to you. You are now the director of all-time Kung Fu Mortal Kombat. Round one. Test your might. Yes. Now it has begun. You better not fail me or I will use my directing powers to fix it. So, Corey, Tanner, either one of you, did you have anyone else in mind Mm -hmm. before we jump into the main cast? I I casted five extra Um, people. Are you fucking kidding me? Start start with one. Start with one of them. Well, I did Goro. Goro. Okay, who'd you cast for Goro? Bolo Young. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Tell us who Bolo Young is. What, uh, what do you uh, know him from? Predominantly, he's the, fe- he's the bad Sport. guy from Bloodsport. He is just the massive bodybuilding like villain of, of Bloodsport. And then he was in... Okay, he's also... So Fury with Bruce Enter Lee? the Dragon? Or Enter the Dragon. Right. Yeah, okay. he was Bolo in Enter the Dragon. Right. Yeah. Yes, yes, he was. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Tanner, is that so, who you did, or do you you agree with Corey? That is that is also who I did. Okay. Okay. I threw Naturally. out just for fun. I I I threw out yeah. Dave Batista because he was in The Man with the Iron Fist in 2012. So he, which was a fun martial arts film that the RZA made. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like your choice better, so we'll go with that kind of thing. Yeah. The only other yeah. name I thought of for Goro was Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yes. Strictly for hype. Yes. I w- you, you are not wrong. I also thought of that. The fun, the fun addition I'll add to the Kareem Abdul Jabbar thing is he's in that, he's in the only, the only film of Bruce Lee's cinematography or his, or excuse me, his filmography that come out after his death. That movie mm. is absolute garbage. And I say absolute garbage uh. in the sense that they had 10 minutes of footage and they stretched it out to make a movie, a, like two hour movie out of it, where literally, they were pulling like old footage of him. They literally used footage from Bruce Lee's funeral because the idea is that this guy dies and the F- FBI equivalent tells them like, we're going to fake your death and then you're going to go mm. be a detective for us. And so the whole movie, the Bruce Lee character is wearing shades. So he doesn't, so you can't tell he doesn't look like Bruce oh, Lee. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's hot garbage. <laughs> like it's yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like um, this is, is, that one's called game of death from 78. And yeah. it's just, yes. it's wild that I it got made. Some of this. It is, it yeah. is, it's kind of offensive when you really think about it. Okay. Corey, who else did you cast? Uh, Jax. Jax. Okay. Who'd you get for Jax? Uh, Jim Kelly from Enter the Dragon. Tell me who Jim Kelly is from Enter, Enter the, Dragon. the Dragon. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Tanner, do you have anybody in mind for Jax? I went instead with Wesley Snipes. Fair. Ooh. So you just you went for, more action. His, you went more action. Yeah, he's a martial yeah, artist. Uh, bro, okay. Yeah, he he know knows. Yeah. He's 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 trained in like six disciples. He's he holds black belts in uh shut uh Shotokan. Yeah, and Hapkido. Okay, interesting. Did not know so that. He is, That's, yeah, he's a martial so he's, artist. He's legitimate. Yeah. Okay, yeah. my thought was to pit to put in the Riza in this role. <laughs> Nice. Because he was in the Man with the Iron Fist, I like I like Wesley Snipes. We'll go Wesley Snipes since he is Wesley hey, Snipes. Can I, can, well, we'll get yeah, him. Can you can put I, some like? Well, just can I say that my jacks my jacks would keep the afro? Does that help? It helps, <laughs> but I'm still going with Wesley Snipes. We're gonna, in oh. matter of fact, we're gonna give Wesley Snipes. We're gonna we're gonna assume that he has an afro on sometimes. No, but you since can't he's a, give like Wesley Snipes team. my actor's afro. You can't do that. <laughs> Fine, then we're still going go with, with Wesley Snipes and moving oh, forward. Whatever, fine. So, Reptile. I, yes. did, I did do Reptile. Reptile. Which, again, from okay. here on up, I just did the ninja characters that don't speak. 
So I primarily casted them with the most talented, like on screen fighters. So um, my reptile is Stephen Chow from Kung Fu Hustle is what most people might know him from. Got it. Got it. Tanner, did you pick a reptile? Uh, I'm going to throw Ray Park here. He was also my backup thought. Ray Park, who nice. plays who plays Darth Maul in Phantom Menace, the first Star Wars movie. And then mm-hmm. he's also Toad in the X-Men movie from 2000. He was yes. a, my initial thought, but I also went with Stephen Chow for Reptile. So I'll go with that. I think it's a very good, very yeah. solid choice. It's a good yeah. fun. It's a fun story. Because I kind of had the same mindset as Corey. Is like, okay, these are my spots to fill in people that are great, but I can't. I, I can't give them the lead roles or whatever, or I have someone else in mind. So, yeah. Corey, tell me who you casted for Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero. This is where I went with uh, Iko Uwai from The Raid. Oh, from, it's- yes, The Raid. Okay, very nice, very nice. Tanner, do you have a, a Sub-Zero? Um, yeah, for my Sub-Zero, I threw uh, Tony Ja. Tony Ja from Ongbok, the Thai yeah. warrior. Uh, both of those are, uh, out, I believe, a little outside of the normal Hong Kong cinema stuff. Tony Jaw's fighting style, which is uh, Moi Boran, which is a predecessor to Muay Thai, uh, that movie, he's just hard-hitting the entire time. Like, that, that dude oh, just yeah. keeps rocking people. And, then, and, that's, and, that's not, and Ico's just the same way. That entire movie is, like, nonstop action, and he's really great in that film as well. Both films, actually, of, of the raids. Um, I actually picked Donnie Yen for this spot. If you haven't seen Donnie Yen, you don't know who he is. Oh, Donnie Yen was uh, Chirrut in Rogue One, the blind uh, martial artist that's with the team in the Star Wars movie. He's also mm-hmm. he's more known in terms of the martial arts world as Ip Man. He's in that series, and he's Ip Man is actually a tr- uh, kind of a biography movie telling the life story of right. the Grandmaster. Like extended yeah. biography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's telling the story of a Grandmaster who ended up training Bruce Lee later down mm-hmm. the line. So Donnie Yen's where I put there. Um, both of your options are great choices. Um, it, it's hard because I had Tony Jaw listed for my scorpion. Scorpion. Tony Jaw is my scorpion. So if that helps. So Tony. I felt, yeah, I felt like either of these care. I felt like <clears throat> Sub-Zero no, or Scorpion were interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right no, now. Right they're now. Do whatever. Yeah. Because like my, um, Eco Uais was my scorpion. So yeah. literally, Corey and I just like flip flop. I'm going to just make the call and say Eco is sub zero and Tony Jaw is going to stay as scorpion. For, because, so, Tanner, I got it right. You've got it wrong. That's what Nick just said. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's we what were I'm in here. the same ballpark, in the same field. All right. We're, we got out of below the line, generally unscarred, unscathed. So now let's <laughs> jump into the main cast. And we're going to start off with Kano. See me, I believe in a fair fight. You know, one-on-one, man-to-man, hand-to-hand, just like my daddy taught me. Corey, who is your Kano? One name and one name only. I did not go Australian. Okay. But I I mean, I I, I cast a a British gentleman, but I think you can do an Australian accident, a lot like, I guess, this An an Australian accident. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) So... So I, I I think he could I think he could pull off the same thing. Um, I went with okay. Jason Statham. Interesting. I mean, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. Th- I forgot. Action that guy. Statham. That's right. Fight scenes. Mm-hmm. He, he is trained a, in certain what, martial arts. The train because he's the transporter series is really what he was first known for. Was that trilogy? 
And right, that was just crank, pretty much series. Yeah, the Crank series, uh, eventually the mechanic, and then he made his way into the Fast and Furious world, you know. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about him. But he, I, I think it's just because I thought Australian, and I was like... But he is he is trained in mixed martial arts and an expert in kickboxing and jujitsu. So he is a trained fighter. I, I counted him. So, yeah, and I think yeah. and he just kind of... I could, I could put a metal eye on him, and I think he'd be a good king. So Yeah. And just before I let Tanner give his pick, just to give the audience a little backstory, Kano, he's uh, the leader uh, in the in the video game. He's a leader of the Black Dragon Clan. He's a ruthless scoundrel, and he's the arch nemesis of Sonya Blade and the Special Forces. So in this movie, if you haven't seen it yet, which you probably should have already, they have a feud going on. She, they end up fighting in the movie, so you have to build up that feud a bit. Mm-hmm. Tanner, mm-hmm. who is your Kano? My Kano, I did not go Australian either. Um, I went, it was difficult for me to find, like you were saying, um, cause the original Kano was Japanese American. Yes. Um, I had trouble finding like, uh, a Japanese martial artist actor that I Mm -hmm. knew. Yeah. Um, but I, I wanted to go, uh, back to original form of at least Asian. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went with, uh, Yayan Ruhian. Okay. Um, which you would, you would know. Um, he is in Star Wars Episode Seven. Um, I don't know if he's really got a big, big role there, but you can see him running around. Okay. Um, he's also in Raid Redemption. Okay. Um, he's Mad Dog, so he's like is the he, guy. Is he the leader of the gang at the in the movie? No. So he's the one after um Eco Uais and uh Joe Toslim mm-hmm. um are he's the one that like fights both of them. In the, the room, uh, okay, yeah, okay, the one yeah, with yeah. the the long hair, yes, um, shorter guy, okay, He's crazy, gotcha, um, yeah, I remember that now, him. yeah, yeah, that's both good choices. I, I see. So in Tanner's mindset, we're going with the original intent of the character Kano, which was he is like a he's he's a Japanese American, whereas Corey went like what became true canon of the of the series and picked right. a British Australian. Yeah, actor. and just just so um, it's laid out, um, Yayan is um, Indonesian. So just okay, so we have cool, it cool. Thank clear you. where Thank you for that. Yeah. So this was one of the few rules that I, when I made the list, I kind of said like, you know, I'm not super concerned about the fighting. But if, but keeping in mind, so I had, I just threw out Carl Urban <laughs> just because I want some, nice. um, some Australian. And I think the recency of the boys just kind of helped out with that. Cause the yeah. other, the other famous uh, Australians, Paul Hogan's not going to make his way through this movie. <laughs> and then Hugh Jackman, unless he's playing Wolverine, you can't take him really seriously because he's the happy sing song guy from musicals. <laughs> so, okay. But what do you think about a Hemsworth? Where do you know, we sit with a Hemsworth? I it would be fun to see a Chris Hemsworth being a bad guy with one eyeball. I mean, yeah, a, I'm, I just wanted to bring it up because I know uh, he's not like uh, bad times at bad the El Royale, Royale or whatever it was. He was a good bad guy. Yeah, he was a good that was villain, fun. So. Yeah, he was good. I think I he's the it, yeah, yeah. I think he's the only Hemsworth I would trust with that role, though. Out of the three, I'm trying to think. I'm going to lean more towards the, what's true canon. I'm glad you brought up our our actor from from the raid series. Cause that's a yeah. great memorable character that he played, but I am going to go more. I'm going to pick Jason Statham and tell him to just rough up his accent, be Australian for us. 
because he he has he did have quite a run there as as pretty much as a martial artist in films and stuff. So I will give that to him just to kind of keep okay. in line with what our original intent of the character, or at least in in can what canon has become. I'm going to stick with mm-hmm. that a little bit just so yeah. we have a little more flavor in there, I guess. So, and plus, I think it's more fun to watch him die versus versus the guy, the other guy who's who I like mainly just because he's a badass in, in the raid. Like he, he's a bad yeah. guy through and through, but, I, it's but you're more watching fun. him and you're like, this dude is insane. Yeah, you're just like, he's I, so good. It's like, I want a movie about this guy. Give him this. Yeah, totally. So Corey, I would like to point you, even though go we ahead don't. and apologize to Jason Statham, who listens that I don't want to see you die. I don't, I don't know what Nick's problem is with you, but apparently you owe Nick an apology. <laughs> Listen, Jason I'm just, Statham. I'm just going, I'm just going with my, you know, you know what his apology is for? It's for the mechanic. It's for the first mechanic movie. Cause I was hyped for it and then I got it. And then I realized CBS made it and that just ruined it for me. So, oh. and then after that, Nick was like, I must murder. Jason Statham. I must I must make a movie where I get to fight Jason Statham and I say I get to win so. and end his life. <laughs> and end his life. Wow. All right. Okay. Moving forward. Who are we going up to? The feud is the the, the feud has started. We're going to Katana. <laughs> Katana. Stay where you are. Would you dare interfere with the tournament and betray our emperor? In his great wisdom, he knows that mortal combat cannot be won by treachery. So Princess Katana, she's 10,000 years old, but is considered young in her realm and has the appearance of a young woman. Throughout the years, she rose to great importance, first as the royal, loyal stepdaughter of Shao Kahn, then as his enemy, tearing herself away from his grasp and freeing herself to, and freeing her home realm. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Katana, Corey, you made it. You take it. Who did you have yeah. for Katana? I went with Michelle Yeoh, who uh, mm. people would know her from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh. She was a Bond girl yes. in Tomorrow Never Dies. Yes, Tomorrow Never Dies. Recently, she's been in Crazy Rich Asians from 2018. Uh, yeah. She mm-hmm. played, I guess, I'm assuming either the mother or grandmother of that movie. I haven't seen it. And then, but she was in Last Christmas from a couple years ago with uh, Amelia Clark. So, yeah. She was in no, uh, the um, mechanic um, sequel. I don't know if that's going to go against me, but they so. did better. They did better the following okay. one. So yeah, they're they're, all right. they're all good. They 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 fixed some mistakes, but not all of them. Jason. And then she's uh she's about yeah. to show and then up. She in also the, uh, she did. Uh, she was also in Super Cop um, with uh, Jackie Chan. Yes, yes. Previously, yeah. She's yeah. Uh, she's she's going to be work. in the uh, the Avatar sequels, and then she's coming out with the the Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings for Marvel. I'm taking like 80s, 90s younger Michelle Yeoh and throwing her here. Right. And the Bill yeah, and Ted absolutely. Bill, Bill yeah. and Ted rules. I'm taking her at her peak kung fu things right. and throwing her in and yes. throwing her in. Like super cop. I want oh, super cool. cop Michelle Yeoh. Michelle. Tanner. Um, Who okay. is your katana? I, Michelle Yeoh is a good one. Michelle Yeoh, I just love her in general. Um, she's, so she's definitely on my list. Yes. Um, not here. Um, here, um, I brought in, um, Zhang Zai, um, which you would know from, um, she's in House of Flying Dagger. She's also in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes. Uh, she's in Memoirs of a Geisha. Mm-hmm. Um, in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, she's, um, the main, kind of the main villain. character. Yeah. 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 Like that we follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, she just has that 
princess look to me. Yeah. yeah. As well as she does have some badass fight scenes right. in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm. The fun thing, so I had a feeling this this matchup would happen, and it's, yeah. it's not an easy matchup to, to decide between. To the fun thing about both of these uh, actresses is that neither one of them were trained in martial arts. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of them were just both dancers growing up. Uh, Michelle Yi was or Yo. Yo, thank you. She was born in West Malaysia. She was a ballet dancer since age four. She moved to London, England to study at the Royal Academy. Hmm. And then she never trained, but she relied on her dance discipline and her onset trainers to prepare her for these martial arts. And she's been in several uh, action movies where she's been required to do fight sequences. And the same oh, with yeah. the same with Shang Se'i is that uh, she never trained as a martial artist, so she just relied on her dance stuff. She graduated from a Central Drama Academy, which is a top acting college in China. So yeah, hmm. so turns out if you're a good dancer, you're also probably a good martial arts actor or actress. So there you go. I loved Michelle Yeoh in mm-hmm. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which I watched this morning, actually. And nice. she, she just, in terms of acting, she nailed it. Like, just uh, she's the, phenomenal because the story there is that sh- she's her and Chow Yun Fat have had this long romance, but she was supposed to be married to a guy that was best friends with him. The guy died and they had feelings for each other over the years, but they felt like it was wrong to do that in the memory of their friend. And but you can just see mm-hmm, the lingering mm-hmm. effects along gauge and, and the conversations with Shang Se where she's uh, they're talking about, you know, wanting to be free or wanting to have or or. A, a love or something like that and you can just every everything is there's just so much weight she brings to that conversation and stuff shang se i think that's i don't know if it's recency bias or what but she is who i have in mind for katana that's the first person i thought of actually for this role well I, I think as well i think it's because katana is supposed to be this like princess-esque role right, right? Yeah. like daughter of the emperor mm-hmm. um and while Michelle Yeoh is, you know, obviously graceful and beautiful and all this, she's, I think she brings out more of a fighter sense mm-hmm. than um, Zhang Zai. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's how I perceive it. Anyway. I, I, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. It's because the character of Katana in, in the movie, at least, is kind of seen as like she's under, she's kind of a bad guy who turns into a good guy, you learn that she's actually trying to help and she's trying to rebel against the main bad guys. So there's an air of mystery and stuff going on, which is basically what Shang Se's character was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon to an extent. Um, mm. Michelle Yeoh, I wish there was, especially older Michelle Yeoh, I wish there was like a, an older character she could play because <laughs> she does so well. And it, 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 this mm-hmm. really is just a recency bias because I'm not familiar enough with um, is it? Do you say Super Cop? Yeah, I uh, look. I didn't mostly, get to watch that one. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I was under the impression Bill and Ted rules is that we can pull from any age. So absolutely, I, I mostly absolutely, looked up absolutely. young versions of 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 these actors and stuff. Um, yeah. I, no, I get it. You just you just want to cast a princess, pretty person. That's cool. That's whatever. I oh, mean, no. but if you go look <laughs> she's, up, she's hey, but it. No, it's fine, Nick. But if you go look up any top ten kung fu stars list, um, mine's on them. Tanner's isn't, but it's cool. It's cool. I'm cool with this. I mean, yeah, but you, Corey, you you're attacking her... me, and I have yet to make an actual decision. <laughs> no, you made it. I'm literally looking. I'm literally. 
when I'm literally looking up Michelle Michelle Yeoh's movie so I can see young Michelle Yeoh and make a, also, a, a fair and balanced decision here. Well, You're mean, attacking it, a man who has picked your choice five out of six times <laughs> in this round. And like, and I think I'm we going, should note that. I'm trying, I was trying I to thought go we for a flawless score, victory. Guys. I was going for the flawless victory. Freaking Wesley Snipes ruined it right off the gate. So I'm just, I'm just trying to go for the kill here. And so, but, okay, but uh, in all seriousness, I, I, I could, yeah. I, I could easily go with Tanner's too. Um, I, I considered her. I just went with Michelle Yeoh because I, again, I, I, I just honestly, my whole thing was she was more kung fu related than the other girl. But I did think yeah. of the other. I did yeah. think of of the of of Tanner's choice as well. So, yeah, I'm just going with my gut here. Sorry, Corey, but I to ruin your not so flawless victory. But I will go mm. with Shang Se and Azar Katana. To move things. No, along. that's fine. Um, but oh, we're God gonna go with it. we're gonna go with Sonya Blade next. Sonya Blade. Well, I like him. Dumb and ugly. So Sonya Blade. Sonya Blade is is a general. Uh, she's a soldier who is a member of the Earth Realms. That's that's where we live, boys and girls. Uh, that's us. Special Forces Unit, known as the Outer World Investigation Agency, in the Mortal Kombat fighting game super soldier type um, is on these secret missions to kind of take out strange things that are going on in the movie. She finds her way onto the boat and onto this Island for this tournament. And it's, uh, it's uh, alluded to by Raiden that she's there on purpose and that it's probably part of his manipulation to get her there on this fight. And then she ends, has her duel because she's been chasing Kano this whole time anyway. So, her thing is she she's very much like I could do it on my own. You know, I don't I don't need anybody's mm-hmm. help. And throughout the movie, she kind of learns to lean on other people to help with the overall goal and the mission. So. Corey. Uh, I didn't win. Didn't, Tanner. You didn't Tanner win. Go. Yeah. Tanner yeah, can tell us uh, his Michelle uh, Yeoh pick. <laughs> wow. Spoilers, Corey. Way to uh, ruin. Way to ruin it so, for everybody involved. So, Tanner, who did you pick? <laughs> For uh, no, your, I'm not going to say it anymore. Yeah, your yeah, uh, Sonya Blade. Ooh. No. Did you I'm cast? Not, su- did you cast Super Cop? No, I'm. I did. I cast Super Cop. Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> Everybody can suck it. Uh, it's the better choice for Michelle Yeoh. We all know it. Um, moving on. Who did you pick, Corey? Um. So again, I just kind of stuck with the video games, and I cast an American uh, woman here. Mm-hmm. Um, one multi-time UFC champion, Ronda Rousey, is my Sonya Blade. Hmm. This is an all-time cast, Corey, and you're bringing in <laughs> Ronda Rousey. <laughs> I'm keeping with the canon of the games. That, that 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 was. I'm just telling my so, mind pro, my 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 thought process. So I picked Ronda Rousey, who is an actress, who is a trained fighter, and kind of more mm-hmm. of like a less kung fu style fighter, but more of a grappler, wrestler, striker, uh, fighter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and and then I kind of paired her with my Kano Statham in terms of like I think that would be a good fight scene. Those are just my Got thought it. processes for going with that. Mm-hmm. So. so neither of you thought. Of Uma Thurman, no, no, absolutely oh, not. Not even sort of. Why? 
Why? <laughs> why not? Why? Why? Why would we? Because she's yeah. in a she's a pro, she's in two very prominent martial arts films. That mm-hmm. yeah, but she doesn't read cop to me like this like stiff backed yeah. like cop. That's yeah. acting, Tanner. Acting. Yeah, show me yeah. in her acting career where she's done that. I don't know. That's why it's acting. You 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 figure it out. Yeah, she didn't. I, I didn't. See I don't think it. that's ever how we've played this. I I, I mean, like, I, <laughs> I don't, don't think we've ever mm, played this podcast like that. I'm with Tanner on this one. I just don't see it at any point in her oh career. Do I see her playing like badass super cop woman? So. She plays badass kills five members of one of the deadliest groups in 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 his cinema history. Badass. Well, we're not recasting. Right, but she's that. out of she's special forces. Like it just uh, it's. I get you're. I get what you're saying. She is a total badass, and like in all of that, but it doesn't read like militaristic badass let me you know what i mean like let me that's ask you two totally different realms to me on a, on a somewhat side note bridget wilson while attractive as veronica vaughn doesn't come mm-hmm. off as as what you're describing so is she a bad sonia she Blade? absolutely does even in billy madison she looks like she's gonna hit a kid at all times in that movie she has like a resting yeah. like mad face mm-hmm. She's got that like jawline that makes you think like she is coming after someone. Like she's she just like constantly a glaring at you. Jaw. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I have to say I'm disappointed. I mean, you I have, have to say override. I'm disappointed in you, Nick. You have an override. I do have an. Go it. Why are you Pull making me pick my override so early? Do it. There Pull are the way too many roles so far. <laughs> do it. Do it. Dude, I fucking dare you. Come on. Come on. Put Uma Thurman the problem in this is, is, The problem is I can't double this up and then pick somebody later because we're out of women to be ca- characters to cast. You could switch So if you guys Katana. screw up the later ones. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. The Michelle Yeoh conversation, you could sit there and go, okay, we'll just make her Asian American. It ha- it's it's the American melting pot. Sure, why not? We just make an Asian yeah. Sonya Blade. American does not mean white. Right. Like so exactly. you can just make Sonya. But if we're staying true to the ethnicity. character and and yeah. the and the who she is, which is a white blonde woman, you know, that's I mean, I went to Uma Thurman first and then Corey went to Ronda Rousey first for her acting abilities. Yeah, um, thank you for those. Thank you for those. I'm sorry, but Nick. the character of Sonya doesn't <laughs> quite require like the deepest of thespian chops. No, th- but she requires I some think chops. Ronda could play it. I think Ronda the could last play two it. Months of, I don't think she could play the it. The last two ever. months of WrestleMania buildup puts that in doubt for me. <laughs> and the fact that's that I haven't... A- okay, that's fair. No, no, Corey, give it to us. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's it's literally just a, a roll of bad fight scenes and one liners. That's about it. You're right. I mean, that's literally I mean, if we're talk, we're comparing other movies like Bloodsport, none of those guys were stupendous actors by any means. And it was all about we need this archetype of fighter. You're mm-hmm. that guy. You're that person. You're that girl. Yeah. Well, you've got a choice on your hands here, Nick. Listen, Are you going don't to... tell me what I don't tell me what I already know, Tanner. Okay, <laughs> don't tell me what I That's, already know. No, 
No, no, I'll let you. No, no, I'll let you. I'll let. I'll let you sit on it. All I'll right. let you. I'm just gonna be stew. Gonna sit here and rot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you want to move to someone else and then come back to this no, one, Nick? No, I don't. Okay. I don't want to move. No, he has to pick now. <laughs> All right. So the logic in my head is going. I love Michelle Yeoh. I think she's it's a great actress. I think obviously she's a very prominent member of martial arts history. But I'm also thinking about the character. And I'm thinking that you're looking at it. Um, you're wanting somebody that's special forces. So it's not necessary that they have to be martial arts trained. It's going to be more. It could be seen as more of a grappling mm-hmm. MMA style kind of fighting. And you know what? They, in this type of movie that we're building, maybe it is that sh- they just have to be a badass and fight and say one line here or there. So the acting isn't the most prominent thing. And it would be nice sure. to have a change up of fighting styles as much as possible. I think if we're going to show the grand scheme of martial mm-hmm. arts and in and, and, and film. So I'm going to go Ronda Rousey with this one, just for those keeping those things in mind. I wish well, there was a spot for Michelle, but there's not in my mind. Well, this movie has lost my ticket. Um, <laughs> well, you know what, Tanner? I'm upset as you are, but I'm trying to be logical and make the best choice to b- fill out this whole movie and the vision that I, I have for it. Nick. You're making it it's hard, not Tanner. you. It's not you. It's not you, Nick. Okay. It's, All right. It's the producers. Mm. Um, yes. Right. Yes. Jesse. It's Jesse's fault. It's Jesse's fault. I'd just like to say right. that the highest ranked Mortal Kombat video game is Mortal Kombat 11, in which the character model of Sonya Blade was based off Ronda Rousey, and Ronda Rousey provided the voice. Good job, Nick. It you was did well. It was the peak. It was the peak of the Rousey era as we knew it, because she was yeah. undefeated it and was, untied. It was very quick and fleeting. Very but... quick and fleeting. <laughs> I'd like to say Rousey that game was era. probably based off of the uh, technical advancements and probably the production of that. And the producers probably had a lot of work to do with that. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for chiming in with that one. Speaking, uh, speaking, right, of, speaking of godlike beings that come out of nowhere and, and, and push things along. Uh, next, we're going to go with Raiden. Raiden. So you're going to win the tournament. Yes, I am. Show me how. Oh, don't tell me you're afraid of a simple beggar. So Raiden uh-huh. is played by originally played Christopher by Christopher Lambert. Lambert originally. He is the Highlander himself. The eternal god. He is he is actually in this movie. He is the eternal god of thunder. Oh, god. Raiden has been one of the most significant characters in the series along with one of those memorable, memorable characters in the fighting game genre. So basically, he's the side of good for the most part of the series, uh, constantly trying to aid the characters in this movie. To, he can't himself partake in the fights, but he can uh, help out where need be and make sure that there are fair fights that are happening. So, Do you think... Yes, Tanner. Do you think they brought Christopher Lambert on because of Highlander? Because he is an immortal being who... When a Highlander kills an, or I'm sorry, when an immortal kills another immortal, yes, um, they are surrounded by th- lightning, mm-hmm. and then they are like struck by lightning and imbued with that power. Do you think that had something to do with their casting choice? Of, like, I don't we need an immortal who has I lightning think, powers. Tanner, sadly, I think you're thinking 
longer than most of them thought when they were thinking about the role. <laughs> That's fair. Corey, you made it. Who is your pick for Raiden? This is where I put Donnie Yin. Mm, okay. Very interesting. But like, I, but again, I'm kind of going like, you know, because Raiden's meant to be a bit older than everyone else and like i mean mm-hmm. look older than everyone i mean i think he's like an immortal right but he is meant to look a little bit older so right. i'm kind of going like some later it yeah. man age donnie Yen. you know some rogue like, one age it, it later in band series donnie Yen. got it yeah got it. Not, not, early, not early 90s iron monkey <laughs> which i watched no. the other day which was kind of fun no. but, i want uh, i want i want me an aged okay. up donnie Yen a little bit but who can still throw down when need be so, Tanner, who is your Raiden? <laughs> My Raiden, I decided to um, age up, as we all are aware. Okay, um, okay. But I did want someone who, I don't even know how to express it, so I'm just going to say it. Uh, I went Victor Wong here. <laughs> Tell me who Victor Wong is for the audience. <laughs> So, uh, Victor Wong, you would know him um, as he's, well, he is um, Egg Shin in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. He is Grandpa Mori in Three Ninjas. Uh, well, he's in The Last Emperor, Chin Pao Shin. Mm-hmm. Corey's, Corey's <laughs> begging you to name the thing that he's in that Corey wants you to know. I know, I know. I'm, I'm watching Corey as like, I'm just uh, like scrolling this past one? it. This one? Yeah. He's seven in Tremors with Tremors. Seven Bacon. <laughs> he yeah, gets yeah, yeah. eaten. But he's the guy that names the monsters in Tremors, and then he gets eaten by. Okay. Oh, that is okay. right. It's great. Gotcha, gotcha. So I see that Tanner went more the Mister Miyagi mindset of the wise, right. kind of the wise old sage, maybe a little past his prime looking kind of guy, but he's a god. He's all powerful. He doesn't necessarily have to throw movements and stuff or or anything like right. that and i also like the idea of like when he comes in because he's short stature and he doesn't look you know like he can really mm. kick anyone's ass yeah but like everyone's afraid of him mm. right so he's just this nice like nice guy that he's like don't fuck with these people because mm. you know i can kick your ass so here's here's where my logic played out with these actors for or for these characters lead so we have basically if you're looking at it, we have three remaining uh, act characters that are more that are Asian or that would be mm-hmm. identified as Asian. Not uh, Johnny Cage excluded from that conversation. Yeah. So my struggle is there are th- in my head, there are three prominent martial artists. It's hard to find spots for all of them. Yes. Yes. And so that's where I struggled. I sat there and went, this one could be the good guy. This one could be the bad guy. This one could be the old sage. We're going to screw this episode up. I know it. I, I lean more towards Corey's mindset of, I get it. Older guy who could, who, who is, who's seen as old, but is still very capable of holding his own and very powerful. And so Donnie Yen fits that conversation. Totally. Completely. And I think in our version, even though uh, Raiden isn't allowed to compete in the tournament, there would probably be like a sparring session or something at the Mm. beginning, in the middle, or even him getting to 
square off with our bad guy outside of the tournament or some some something to show off like his uh, abilities his, obviously yeah and the thing is we haven't cast donnie in yet and he's the guy underneath yeah, these tough. three he's the guy underneath these i mean we already know who i'm talking about we're talking about bruce lee we're talking about jackie chan and we're talking about jet lee in mm-hmm. my mind I, those three i put donnie yin above jet lee on that list that's why I you put him donnie. above that the thing yeah, about yeah jet the lee thing about I think the thing I about think Jet Lee's Lee, a fen- I think he's a phenomenal martial artist. I don't. Th- I think he's the weakest actor of the of the four. I I agree with that. If he's not playing like the silent assassin, which is kind of what they did, they were like, well, let's just lean into his kind of stoicism because mm-hmm. he didn't have the charisma of Bruce Lee and he didn't have the comedic chops of Jackie Chan, and so they kind of just like, you're the stone cold killer. You're gonna go do this, and he can play villain pretty decently, like. In, in the more American made the one movie that came out in the early 2000s like he has he has I think he has the most fun playing a bad guy in that role yeah mm-hmm. but I agree with Corey that Donnie Yen is the superior actor by a long shot I'm just saying I think we're all in this exact same place where we we had a list of guys in in, in, in gals we wanted in here you know yeah we've already seen one casualty yeah. of Michelle Yeoh um and and mm-hmm. and and, and you know that one of these four guys is not going to make it in. I'm not trying to spoil the rest of the list. Right. But chances are we're, 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 mm-hmm. we're playing around with these oh, four yeah. moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that, that was just my thing. Cause I think even I, I sat all the way up until we got on staring at these four and I'm just saying like, yeah, I had to excommunicate one of them. And I think that's where we're all at. It's just like, right. so we just have to know mm-hmm. that one of these darlings is going to die. So Donnie in, you are a ra- are Raiden. Tanner, I just want nice. you to know, though, I'm very happy that we've talked about Victor Wong on the podcast finally. Yes. <laughs> yes. Again, not everybody gets to fit into the cast, but at least we're getting to highlight some great names of great actors and stuff through the years. Oh, so let's so knowing probably where our, our conversation is heading, let's pause on that and switch up and go to Johnny Cage next, because I feel like the next two roles, the conversation will involve both of them probably. Johnny Cage. Got a guy with things coming out of his hand. We got another guy who freezes stuff. And then there's a man who, as far as I can tell, is made out of electricity. I mean, how did he disappear like that? What is going on here? Who is this guy? So, Johnny Cage. Corey, you made it. Who is your Johnny Cage? (laughs) Now, you said that you had some people in mind previously. Yeah, I honestly, I don't even know I ever ever landed on one. I was kind of hoping Tanner would have Johnny Cage first. Um, Nice. Let me give you a little the background. Jonathan Carlton, better known by his stage name Johnny Cage, is an action movie star and martial artist in this Mortal Kombat world. He's one of the seven originals. He debuted in the first arcade game, remains one of the most popular characters in the franchise to date. Cocky, big movie star, trying to prove that he still got it. He's still a martial artist, and he wants to be respected for that. So... It was hard because again, I'm trying to stay within like the the the, the characters <clears throat> of the video game, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you kind of and you like Google like American kung fu action stars. Right, right. It's mm-hmm. just like there mm-hmm. really isn't that great of a fit for what we're trying to do here, which is create the best kung fu version of Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah, I'm not going with this, but I did okay. consider Bruce Lee here as this role. Because mm-hmm. he was an American, you know, technically movie he star. Yeah, he was. He's he born was in San actually, Francisco. 
born in San Francisco and then moved yeah. to uh, uh, back to to China. Yeah, but uh, also um, I considered his son Brandon Lee uh, from The Crow, um, mm, but I never saw okay. him get to go like uh-huh. really throw his chops out more than The Crow. It came down to two guys. It came down to okay. the obvious uh-huh. Jean Claude Van Damme, who's not yes. American, sure, but but uh-huh. as you say, the character's so, somewhat based off of him and uh, yeah, and everything. So. But again, Jean-Claude Van Damme to me, I don't know if he plays this role of the cocky movie star. You know, he's he's pretty limited on his acting range. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going True. with, uh, yeah, Mark Dacascos. The most relevant thing that he's been in recently is he's the bad guy in John Wick Chapter 3. He says, you did not disappoint. You know, um, he is a martial mm-hmm. arts actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also the host of Iron Chef for some odd reason. Um, so he's mostly done American um, karate movie movies. Uh, and, and that's who I went with because I do think he could play a cocky um, actor. All right. Okay. Yeah. He wasn't he was in the Mortal Kombat Legacy show, but he played Kung Lao in that. So got it. Got it. I, I, I okay. it came down to those two. I wanted to I kind of like Tanner just said. <clears throat> I didn't want to necessarily go with the most obvious and just for the sake of conversation, I'm throwing you Mark DeCoscos. Well, I also thought of Brandon Lee here. Um, He's one of my top choices. Um, I thought it would be fun, though. And I also, you know, obviously um, thought of Jean-Claude. But instead, to change it up a bit, I went Chuck Norris. Okay. Yeah. He's you know, a martial everyone, artist. Every single person on the planet would know him as Walker, Texas Ranger, I mm-hmm. assume. And if you don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he, before he became Walker, Texas Ranger, he was a martial artist and he had a couple yeah. of films as a martial artist. He was even in The Way of the Dragon. He has a, you know, a, a famous scene where he fights Bruce Lee himself and loses yep. against yep. the Chuck Norris mythology. Uh, <laughs> Two one Bruce Lee. This one is tough. Very I think tough. of all the all the all the characters that we've discussed and we've talked about. We want the best martial arts film, but you do want the cocky guy who who actually is a good martial artist. But I think it lean. There's a it's it's kind of that that theater mindset we always had. Tanner's college, where it's like when the musical mm-hmm. happened, it was like, well, do you want the actor or do you want the mu- the person who can sing or do you right. or do you try to find someone who could kind of do both right. and that's kind of where my mind went was like i want someone who can kind of be the cocky asshole that with a heart of gold kind of but then mm-hmm. also can handle himself in a fight and it doesn't look ridiculous that he wins fights especially against like a nine foot creature right. again i thought of sean claude van damme um sure. the only other the, the two names i thought of jean claude van damme and keanu reeves because of Keanu Reeves, oh, interesting John Wick, and also, but mainly because of the Matrix. The Matrix, mm-hmm. while not necessarily from Hong Kong, it is very inspired from Kung Fu cinema, and that's why I think of things like Kill the Kill Bill films and these films as they were made by people who grew up watching um, those Hong Kong cinema. Once it right. made it stateside, and Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan became prominent figures. Right, um, like a descendant. Of yeah, exactly. That filmmaking. Exactly. Yeah, 
Uh, Keanu has shown he can at least have fun with stuff. Um, I try to think of a role where he's been cocky. Corey, do you have a, a Keanu Reeves role where he's not Keanu Reeves? Not really. I mean, the, the closest you'd come to is like maybe his character from Speed being a little cocky, yeah. um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. But for the most part, that's I thought of Keanu. I didn't really like go much further with it because I thought mm. I don't know. He's he's just so famously lovable and humble that it's just like. But again, it is acting. Yeah. I think if you casted yeah. a younger Keanu Reeves, he could get there um, a little yeah. more. Um, then, 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 uh, Matrix, post Matrix, um, Keanu. But I, I'm just saying that's also why I didn't do Chuck Norris. I had a hard time seeing him as cocky. He's just Chuck right. Norris. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, right. Because mm-hmm. my thing, I think the way I'm visualizing this movie in my head as a director is that this is the role that maybe you're picking. Yeah, you're picking like a kind of a well-known, uh, another well-known actor to kind of fit this role, which is why I kind of lean away from Corey's decision. But I'm also mm. leaning away from Chuck Norris a bit because of because of the, the reasons we discussed is that it's like he's just he just is Chuck Norris. And while right, it's not quite it's not fitting. It's it's the, it's the square hit not fitting the circle peg or however you say that phrase. You're not going to get a great cocky actor who can also hold his own against all these people. <laughs> can I throw a name just into the mix? Just I will fun. give you one name. Technically, Robert Downey Jr. is a black belt in a kung Stop. fu discipline. And who would better <laughs> play like the cocky <clears throat> asshole actor than that man? <laughs> what is he a black belt in? Uh, Wing Chun. What is he a black belt in? Uh, it's Wing like Chun. Wing Chun or something. It's a form oh. of kung fu. Yeah, it was, it was like, started got, by uh, two women. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he, 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 I remember like reading about that back when he was doing the Sherlock Holmes movies, is that he was really into martial okay. arts, turned out kind of on his own time. So, if we're looking, if I'm looking at the whole scope of things and I'm thinking about we're trying to make the best martial arts movie ever, we're picking prominent members of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think about Jean Claude in Expendables 3. And if we can pull mm-hmm. some energy of his villainous of two, thank you. If we can pull some of that, some of that evil energy out of him, and just make it do that, but just be a cocky asshole. Don't be full on. I'm just going to murder everybody. Right. I think we can work with that. Yeah. Yeah. I and can see probably. It. Yeah. And whereas Keanu, it is hard. It's like, but I like him. Like he's he's Mister Nice Guy. I know mm-hmm. he's so big. I I almost had him in mind for uh, Raiden. <laughs> like I want to see old, long haired. Uh, dark gray graying haired Keanu Reeves as Raiden. Like I almost pulled that one out of that. <laughs> but oh, that yeah, talk about old sage. Right. I think yeah. we need I think we need t- 10 more years of Keanu for for me to be comfortable making that decision to go, yeah, yeah, I'd get that guy. So yeah, I'm going to use my director power up here and I'm going to place Jean-Claude Van Damme as Johnny Cage as he was always meant to be. Yeah, so. I think that is a solid, fair choice, and that is why we both left it out to draw out your director. <laughs> you were this was it. This was it from the beginning. Because <laughs> Tater and I it both was a have crazy Luke King. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Jack Black was in Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> 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 I guess Chris if Farley was the American Ninja. <laughs> <laughs>
Yes. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so, <laughs> technically, this I guess this does make sense because this is the final fight in the movie. It's it's Liu yeah. Kang versus uh, Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung. You are all witnesses to one of the greatest turning points in the history of your planet. Treasure these moments as if they were your last. So Corey, Corey yeah. made it. So go ahead and take it, Corey. All right. So Shang, Shang Tsung. Nick, do you need to give me a character biography on Shang Tsung? Shang Tsung is a character in the Mortal Kombat fighting series, a powerful soul-stealing sorcerer. Shang Tsung is celebrated villain of the series and serves as kind of the host for this traditional Mortal Kombat tournament. Same in the game, same in the movie. So my, my gut reaction was just to get Julius Carey but I just wanted to take him as Shonuff, the Shogun of Harlem, just strictly from Last Dragon, <laughs> and place him as Shang Song oh, no. and say, do the exact same thing. Of course. Just say all the lines, but at the end of every <laughs> I sentence, was waiting. say sucker. You know, just, say Shonuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just, who's the master and your soul is mine, sucker? You know, that's all you got to do. For those of you that I, don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about The Last Dragon, that the bad guy from The Last Dragon. So It's the most 80s anyway. movie ever made. So Produced oh, by Mo terrible. It's oh, fantastic yeah. terrible is what you meant to say, Tanner. Mm-mm. I know what I meant. Corey, I know who exactly is your actual choice? Our next movie is going to be okay. Um, so uh, my, <laughs> I did. So my initial thing was I wanted to go with Toshiro Mifune um, or Mifune. Uh, he, he would be the main, like if you've ever seen in a, a, a Kurosawa film, he is in every single, most of them. Mm-hmm. So um, he is okay. just the, the main guy in almost every Kurosawa film. Um, mm-hmm. However, just because I am who I am, because I want to see a bad guy play a good guy, this is where I threw Bruce Lee. <laughs> Yeah, He's only like ever played a villain once, and it was before he mm-hmm. was famous. He played a heavy right. in a TV episode of something, and that's it. Only a hero. I want bad guy Bruce Lee. Okay. Um, man, this is so difficult. Um, so I went here with uh, Sammo Hung. Um, you would know him from he's an ip man well he's he's in both the first one and the second one but he's more prominent in the second one Mm -hmm. also he did this movie where he's like this like mafia don essentially and he plays this really like badass like villain Mm -hmm. where he like there's a scene where he's like pouring hot tea over there's like this line of guys who's trying to like get into Mm -hmm. the gang okay um, and he like boils hot tea and he makes them like sit on their knees and hold out like a, a you know, a tea cup, tea glass. Okay. And he comes over and just pours boiling tea into the cup and it overflows onto their hands Got and it. whoever like can just sit there not moving and, um, you know, hold that, um, he would give to the next step essentially to mm-hmm. say like, okay, now I can give you a task. He was also in Martial Law, which is like a late 90s TV oh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one of the, I don't know, not top. He's like probably three or four on my list. Yeah, he's um, he's one of those that kind of fell, slipped through the cracks for me. And Not the typical role, right? Because right. he's like, 
he's a bigger guy, which I thought made him very interesting as a martial artist. Mm-hmm. Like he is a heavier set guy, but he is like whip fast. He's yeah. like so, so good and mm-hmm. so technical and yeah. like super interesting. Um, and he just plays a good villain. Yeah. I'm sad to say that Corey and I all matched up this time because I Damn also it. wanted to see the heel turn. I yeah, wanted to I, see I, yeah, the man in turn, put on the NWO shirt and flip off the camera and make children's hearts break across the world. Um, I just, I think, I think for all the same reasons that Corey kind of thought of was like, you know, he has, he has that energy where he could easily be the bad guy, but it's just that he's so good at what he does and he puts himself in position to be the hero that we, we never got to see a true yeah. hero, Bruce Lee or villain, Bruce Lee. And the rest of my logic leads into uh, the final casting that we'll move into next, which is our kind of main character, I guess. Uh, but just the the last man standing, I guess you could say, which is Liu Kang. You can look into my soul, but you don't own it. He serves as the protagonist of the first three or more games. And he's in the live action films and comic book series. Uh, he became the grand champion of Mortal Kombat through the first four tournaments, a title that remained undisputed in the original timeline. So basically, he's our he's our pro tag. He's the goody two shoes. Mm-hmm. He's here to fight for the good of good. Corey, you made it. Who did you pick to face a heel Bruce Lee in our final battle of the greatest martial arts movie of all time? I went with uh... no pressure. I I wrote one name, and it's it's weird, I, I, but I don't know. I, watching a lot of the '80s, '70s stuff, I, Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. So, because young Jackie Chan, same long hair, mm-hmm. he's ripped, he's fast, he's an incredible martial artist. Probably, maybe, top tier fight scenes in cinema throughout history. Mm-hmm. So. No. Mm-hmm. I think I got to watch. I got to watch the first Drunken Master, which was pretty great. Um, it is fun. Uh, it's it's <laughs> a lot fun. of fun. Yeah, th- just the part where, and it's not even Jackie Chan's not even involved in it, but the bad guy is telling the workers to get back to work, and he he gets. I don't know if he does it or the henchman does it, where he pulls out the. It's, it's not a sword. It's like a beam or something, and it pulls it out of the fire and like sh- cuts them all in the, like down and with a flaming sword, basically, in like a giant circle. Mm. I was like, this is incredible, but, uh, but yeah, he's in it, but police story, especially cause it's just that movie I think is one of the best action movies ever. And Jackie Chan directs it and he stars in it. And you can tell when a fight, a martial artist is making a directing a movie because his eye for where to put the camera with so many of the action beats is like impeccable. Like you're like, yes, this, the flow of this is great. Plus the fact yeah. that he does all most of the stunts on his own, like the final shot of that where he slides down this giant pole that's covered in all these lights and it's just exploding. And apparently <laughs> he injured himself terribly, but he still just oh, yeah. he just picked himself up because he's Jackie Chan. But yes, I get I get your logic there, definitely, Corey. Tanner, did you arrive at the same place? Or do you have su- are you gonna play devil's advocate a bit for us? I've been playing devil's advocate. You've been all playing day. all day for us, but I appreciate um, it. <laughs> thanks. I just wanted to discuss more people. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, but um, no, I actually also landed 
Jackie Chan. Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, Liu Kang as a character is Chinese. Yes. And so I wanted to make sure that I fulfilled that mm-hmm. and made sure to get a Chinese right. actor here. Yeah. Um, and so that for me was Jackie or Bruce. Mm-hmm. I thought the same thing as Corey. Um, and I threw, I threw Jackie in. Cool, cool, cool. So it's three for three, boys. Jackie Chan was my pick. Uh, is this the first time this has happened? I think so. As the lead the first role? Time it was ever Probably, unanimous. yeah. A unanimous position. We didn't have to Between spend 30 minutes debating it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, boys. Well done. We um, did it. I thought about, yeah, yeah. I thought about Jet Li here. I obviously thought about mm-hmm. him as the, as the villain and also in other roles. He's just that third guy out. And really, he's the fourth guy out in this case. Yeah. Um, I will make, I, I, you know, in our new timeline where we've recasted and made this movie, I'm assuming just in our current era, obviously there's room for sequels. Obviously there's room for more characters to be brought in for cameos mm-hmm. and stuff to lead into those said sequels. I know that he doesn't look like him, but a, a version of Shao Kahn, which is kind of the overarching villain of the whole series. So you could have yeah. a spot for him like that. And the same thing goes for, uh, people like Michelle and stuff as well. Like there's, think, there's uh, so many great martial artists. Yeah, I think Jet Li would land at Kung Lao in a sequel. That Kung which Lao, is the guy with the okay. bladed hat. Mm-hmm. He's like a an ancestor of Liu Kang that somehow gets brought okay. into yeah. a present timeline. Got it. Yeah, Jet Li does a lot of, like maybe not a ton, but like definitely I've seen a few of his movies where he does really well with like prosthetics and like something that i can see how you were saying um shao kong right is the yeah. emperor obviously got, like, the from, from what i'm looking at shao kong seems to be much more of a intimidating figure from the looks mm-hmm. of it but yeah it'd be, I mean, be yeah, dwayne you johnson could, you could throw some um yeah now <laughs> so it's it looking very dwayne johnson-esque guy. yeah yeah i you know just to give a rub to jet lee a bit you know he let me pull this up real quick. He is Chinese-born, Singaporean. Yes. Uh, retired Wushu champion at 19. He won his first title at 12. Born in Beijing. Debuted in Shaolin Temple in 82. Uh, his first non-Chinese film was Lethal, Lethal Weapon 4, which I was surprised to see him in when I had that marathon. And then Romeo Must Die was his first lead role in America. Um, but nice. you start to see some of the flaws, and they, I think they figure out how to use him at best. Because mm-hmm. like we said, he's not... He doesn't have just the natural charisma of Bruce Lee. He's not, he doesn't have the amazing comedic timing of Jackie Chan, but he is a great martial artist. And, you know, the later movies, it was like Tanner said, he's playing these kind of characters that don't talk a lot or they're these stoic assassins. Probably the favorite movie I watched or one of the favorite movies I watched in this um, last month was Hero, which came out in the uh, early 2000s. And it's just a very beautiful movie all by itself. And it has some great mm-hmm. uh, action sequences as well. But I felt like it also was a great use of Jet Li. So yeah. all that being said, I really I was really hoping you were going to say Forbidden Kingdom. Uh, I meant um, to watch Forbidden Kingdom because I knew you and Jesse loved it. It just didn't make dude. it didn't it, I didn't get to it in time for the podcast, but I will probably continue to watch more of these movies. And that will probably and that's definitely on my list to watch. I, I won't I, I won't say much about it because okay. I, I want you to watch it okay. and it is it is a classic yeah. of of mine. Um, but that when you were talking about um, Jet Li, I thought you were yeah. 
about Leading to jump to into that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. man, I'm so stoked. Oh, come uh, on, go on, say it. No, yeah, yeah. Say and it. You, just, you just walked right past it. <laughs> yeah, like, damn it. So to wrap it all up, but, uh, but about these two, I will say the other, mar- or the other reasoning I had for Jackie Chan was because we had to have it. We had to have the yeah. showdown. Oh, yeah. It had to be those two. We, it was the match we never got to have of Jackie Chan versus Bruce Lee in a mm-hmm. no-holds-barred one-on-one fight. And that was it. So yeah, that is that is our movie. Final cast for Mortal Kombat, Bill and Ted rules. And you guys help me off the below line here. So for Goro, we chose Corey's Bolo choice Young. of Bolo Young. Uh, it was both of our choices. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, for for Jax, <laughs> we had... For Jax, we had... Corey, Wesley, uh, Wesley Snipes. Snipes. Wesley Snipes. That's right. Corey's Corey, choice, Wesley Corey's, Snipes. Uh, no, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Corey's 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 hopes for a uh, perfect finish or uh, flawless, flawless victory. victory yeah. There it is. And for reptile, we had we chose. Uh, who did we choose? Uh, Ray Park. Did, no, 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 we chose. We did not. No, we chose Stephen Chow. That was me uh, and Nick. Both with right. Stephen Chow as Steven, reptile. Stephen Chow. And then for Sub Zero, we chose uh, e- Eco. Eco Uwise. Eco Uwise. And Scorpion. Uwise. Scorpion, we chose. Uh, Don- Tony Jaw. Tony Jaw, thank Don- you. Tony Jaw. Tony Jaw of Ungbok fame. So to our final list, we had Kano, Jason Statham as the Australian cyborg or one eyed killer. Yeah, uh, yeah, cyborg, why not? For Katana, we had Shang Zi. Please tell me when I say these names wrong. I've tried very I, hard to. I believe when I was researching it, it's um, Zhang, like Zhang. Zhang with a J. That's right. Zhang, like Zhang Zi. Thank you. Zhang Zai. Yes. Sonya Blade, played by Ronda Rousey in her peak Ronda Rousey era. We have for Raiden, Donnie Yen of Ip Man and Rogue One fame. Uh, for, well, I'll go to Johnny Cage. We have Jean Claude Van Damme in the role he was written for and meant, meant to play. Mm-hmm. And for our final fight in the greatest martial arts movie of all time, we have Liu Kang, played by Jackie Chan, taking on nice, nice. Shang Tsung, or how do you say it? Crap, I can't say these names. Shang Tsung. Uh, Shang Tsung, thank you, played by Bruce Lee. Outstanding. Nice. Gosh, that like last fight's going to be 30 minutes. <laughs> it has to be, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And... And Jack is just like throwing stuff across the room yes. at Bruce. <laughs> I didn't cast Shao Kahn, who shows up as a cameo at the very end to set up the sequel. I did not either. It's no, a but, Hulk no. Hogan. But that's where I was kind of... S- you- <laughs> no. Stop. No. Get out of here. <laughs> his handlebar mustache, I was- his bleached blonde one coming out of the skull mask. <laughs> just no. calling everybody brother and Stop. freaking out. Just All hitting poses. That. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, listen, Tanner managed to get like two like low kicks in and that's it. The rest was oh, just man. like. I did not. Me hitting power up after power up with the final fatality. Great. <laughs> You're, you were the button smasher that just managed to grab two blows. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like my first time on Sega Genesis, and I was like, uh, and I was that ten year old that knew how to kick, low kick, low kick. I was like jump kick, jump kick, jump kick. You know that that guy that always did the <laughs> jump kick. So when your guy stood up, he just got a foot to the face again, and you're like, stop. 
Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Fatality. All right, so moving on. That's where we're at. Uh, Tanner, I'm going to turn this over to you because in lieu of a lightning round, we're doing something a little different, correct? Uh, well, I don't really have anything like written up. Um, I think we just all wanted to talk about all of the up, like upticks, I guess is the word that I'm trying to say, but like yeah. of um, anti-Asian hate crimes and anti-Asian racist stuff that's been going around and just really wanted to express and look at that because everything has been over the last couple of weeks getting crazier and crazier we're seeing more and more over the last months and weeks and like you know especially from covid and our former president um being extremely racist and spewing all of this like xenophobic racist um propaganda Mm -hmm. i guess you'd say um and it's all been there's a lot that's been happening and we just wanted to like talk about it and say how like it's so fucked up and like it's something that i don't even know how to fully express and talk about Mm -hmm. right but i just want I knew that we should talk about it as it's coming up, um, as it's happening, and say that like we stand with um, you know Asian American Pacific Islander Asian community, um, and that we want to just bring that to light. See what all we want to say about that. If anyone else has anything to say, yeah, no, and then I think- talk about where we can help. Right. Yeah, I think I think it's just I agree with all the things you said. I think it's important that we bring attention to this, you know, that and it, it, you know, I I chose this movie to cast well before I think any of the these these particular big right, these really really big, big ones, ones kind of happened. So it's just kind of this weird timing thing as well. But I I think it's a good platform. We know we we've, we've discussed all these great actors and actresses that are, and at the end of the day that are human, just like we are. And they're the fact that there is still hate and just mistreatment of different groups around the world is still just is, is ridiculous. And it's a, but it's a reality we have to kind of understand and not accept, but rather understand it and understand what we should do in our role as allies to kind of, help that and i think it goes beyond just a hashtag or or a post on a social media basically um Mm -hmm. and i think we had agreed to try and look up some some different ways to help and stuff um i i've stumbled upon just a basic uh web article that was kind of just you know showing some different things um obviously like if you see a crime report it you know intervening Mm -hmm. on a crime is dangerous but if you witness an attack, you just be sure to lo- call your local police station, report it to stop AAPI hate or stand against hatred. These are different websites that you can go to. And if necessary, you can report to the FBI. Um, supporting Asian and Asian American businesses, you know, uh, uh, just shops and other businesses, just show them your support for a community that serves us all. Let them know, hey, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for, thank you for your for bringing your culture to us and stuff. Um, there's a mm-hmm. lovely uh, family um, that is uh, 
that's in town and they have this, I believe they are Korean, Jesse, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but they have a great uh, restaurant just south of town. And I always love going in there. They're always the sweetest people and uh, great food. On t- just that's just the the bar minimum, but just that. They're- Are you talking about Seoul? Yes, Seoul. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. They also own Oki's Donuts. Oki's Donuts. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Nice. okay. Yeah, I know them. Yeah, yeah. They're great. And so, um, but in just the different restaurants that we go to and stuff, but I think they're the ones that I talk to the most just because their store is a little smaller when before pandemic times you would go in and they just treat you like family and just be like hey try this hey things like that just supporting businesses you can also volunteer you can donate your time to help those in fear to travel home safely uh patrol the streets check in on local businesses um this is alluding to the bay area um you know if you listen from the bay area the oakland chinatown coalition for an example they created a volunteer-based community safe program and you can kind of look that up on on whatever uh, search engine you could probably find. And you could probably find somewhere if you feel the need to or feel compelled to, to kind of help out with the community. And then there's, uh, they even list bystander intervention training. So it's like if you want to learn how to de-escalate a situation, um, you can find this training. Mm. Uh, a website uh, they're linking to is Hollaback, H-O-L-L-A-B-A-C-K exclamation point. Um, it offers a free virtual training. They also partnered with Advancing Justice AAJC to create a guide that includes different approaches and strategies to de-escalating situations. So obviously, it's not the best of ideas to get involved in something that's getting violent, but to rather to report mm-hmm. it. But it does help. Maybe you can learn how to help de-escalate that situation and maybe help somebody along the way. Because I think I think there there's a point where it's like if there's just an argument. Obviously, there it's a little easier to try to de-escalate, but even if it gets violent, you know. But I, I'm not encur- I'm not encouraging anybody to get hurt, but I'm also, I think it's important for us to like try to help people that are in need, if that makes sense. So, yeah. So, does anybody else have anything to share? Uh, I'd like to throw some stuff out here. Cool. Um, yeah. I think it's also important to, um, even if you don't think that you are uh i think it's important to see um to understand what's being spread on um anti-asian uh rhetoric um ob- mm-hmm. there's the obvious stuff like uh saying china virus or chinese virus when specifically talking the about covid-19 yeah yeah st- stuff like that um, those are like obvious things that you you see, um, and those are blatantly racist. Um, but there right. are other things uh, that you may not know are racist, and that you may not understand. Uh, that could be um, uh, as anti Asia anti Asian propaganda. Um, specifically, we see a lot of that as like anti China. Uh, where obviously the uh, Chinese government itself has issues, but anti-China has a problem because it is talking as a a large entity of anti-Chinese and not the Mm anti-Chinese government, where overall that comes off as anti-Chinese people. Um, and yeah. I think that's an important distinction that you have to consider right. when when reading and, recognize. and recognizing that, where if you 
like read that, you have to make sure to distinguish that. And if you're talking, and if you are in the, if you want to talk about that, you need to make that distinction of, I am talking distinctly about the Chinese government. I do not like that. I am not talking about Chinese people or whatever, Mm. because that can be misconstrued and that spreads hate. It really does. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where a lot of this stuff stems from. It's uh, it's no different than uh, people that are um, right, that are Republican, who are, it's the same offense that you take when someone deems you as racist just because of your political party, even though you may not be racist. But they say, oh, you're Republican, so you're racist. It's it's generalizing. It's, it's mm-hmm. you, you, So you have to be careful with your words, you know, I think is what Jesse's trying to say, you know. And so, um, but yeah, I, I it's, it, and, and, and we're not a political podcast, um, but you know it's 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 hard not to lay this at the feet of a of a of an administration that coined these terms and that stoked this fire mm-hmm. calling you know the most powerful man on the planet calling it the china virus like he's 12 years old and then people going along with it and laughing at it because of some misplaced patriotism and america's not number 1 in the world at anything positive other than we're the most diverse country on the planet you know, and therefore mm. it's ridiculous that racism is such an issue here. Um, and I and we're 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 speaking as four guys who grew up in Oklahoma, which was a prison for the first people groups in this country, you know, and so yeah. um uh it, it, we grow that's our backyard, you know, and that's the history of our state. And so um and it's wild mm-hmm. to me that this kind of rhetoric exists, you know, and and it's just it's it's I don't understand it. I mean, I mean essentially, if these are terms you like, if you like, if you want to call it the China virus, if you want to do anything, I would just suggest turn off the podcast and go somewhere else. Like we just we don't dig that, you know, and that's just not going to be our prerogative. So Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's just it's just interesting. Again, we chose Nick chose Mortal Kombat three weeks ago, and then all of a sudden, all these things happened with the shooting and and things like that. And so, I mean, we as a platform with microphones are going to take the time to say like we, that. That's just unacceptable, you know. So, go ahead, Tanner. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was just really going to also touch on the fact that like, you know, we also all have to recognize that it's a big thing with, say, you know, the mass shooting of recent um, that we all have to recognize that if you even if you say or think, you know, that you are not racist, right? It's the you, we all have to recognize that we live within a structure and a society that is built on race on racism and like is a constant proponent of racism. So like I think we all also need to, as well as recognizing in the moment right now the the big 
obvious issues of race, um, you know, racism. And, um, but we also need to recognize that we're all in some form racist, right? Even if we aren't, even if we aren't out, like, creating hate crimes, doing all these things, because of the system that we're in, we are bred to be racist within our culture. And even though we don't see it, it's something that we all have to recognize and work hard to fight against and fight against the system that is trying to uphold racism. Yeah. No matter, no matter how anti-racist you are, you've been, you've, you've grown up and you've been born into a white supremacist culture and that's just where you are and you just have to fight against that and you have to understand that those biases are still kind of in you somewhere and you just have to kind of fight against that and yeah, even if it's recognize not like at that. the forefront yeah um other than that i just wanted to say you know for anyone that's there's a ton, tons of things that you can go and do to help. Um, you can always go to the aapifund.org slash donate. Uh, if you are, you know, if you have the money right now to donate to, um, to the cause, um, there's also a ton of GoFundMes out right now for like um, family members and people that are, you know, victims of these hate crimes. Um, so I think there's a lot of stuff that we can do um even if like you know we're still in lockdown can't leave the house go out and you know protest do any of those things there's still stuff that you can do and if you have the ability to do so um and would like to please go check check out those places um if you're willing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and uh, if we want um, we can definitely link a, I have a big list of 68 donation links here that we can link yeah. in the description if we would like. Yeah. Is it like a, just a sheet somewhere that is a linkable sheet? Well, it's yeah, just we'll a link the... to the, uh, yeah. Newyorkmag.com has a where to donate to help. Yeah. 68 so we'll ways provide to that link so. in the description of the episode that you are currently listening to. If you would like to help. Cool. So that was Mortal Kombat. That was our stance on racism, um, specifically towards Mm -hmm, the Asian mm -hmm. uh, community that's going on in the world right now. Um, And so we're going to provide links in the description to um, if you want to help financially um, towards those goals or or, or learn how you can help in other ways. we thank you for listening. We thank you for um, laughing with us when we're having a good time. We thank you for pausing and uh, listening with us whenever we're um, going deep on, so, on some stuff. Um, but again, if you don't follow us on social media, please check us out on Instagram or Twitter. Um, you can find us uh, there. You can find our personal accounts um, through that. Uh, you know, we like to engage with you. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you thought. Give us your casting. Yeah. Tanner, what are you thinking of doing, where, where are we going in the next episode? So, in the next episode of Quantum Recast, we're going to travel all the way to 2002 from the year 1986. We're going to take oh, dang. Highlander to 2002. 
No! (laughs) (laughs) There can only be one, Corey. Oh, no. What's your problem, Corey, with this film? It's garbage. The whole franchise is garbage. (laughs) No. no, I will not not stand for that. I have never seen these movies, so this will be... Fucking this will be an experience, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, if anyone wants to watch Highlander before the next episode, it is currently on Prime Video. Ah. Um, so that's where you can go watch it. Good luck. Well, tune in next episode where we take Tanner's weird beloved love for Highlander to the year 2002. This is going to be interesting. That's a it's an odd year. Mm-hmm. Even, like nothing even springs to mind for 2002 other than high school. So, um, uh, all right. So, all right. So that was Mortal Kombat all time Kung Fu cast. Tune in next week for Highlander 2002, and we will see you then. Say goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, Nick. <laughs>